2: It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with...
1: The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, October 7th, 2013. Welcome, my friends, to the Sunday stretch of the calendar year. You know what I'm saying. I already broke this down for you. October, in my opinion, this is our first show... Um, of the month here in October, and to me it feels like Sunday morning. November feels like 3 p.m. on a Sunday, and then December is nighttime on a Sunday, and you know that work is coming, and you know you don't like January, you're not all that excited about it. This feels like, alright, you're still glowing from the summertime, you're still glowing from the beautiful weather in September and August. So that was Saturday night, but now you're kinda getting used to the fact that you have to go back to work tomorrow. And you usually go to work on a Monday, and now here we are doing our usual show on a Monday. You feel me? You get where I'm coming from. We got a good show planned for you all, and uh, happy to be here. And And you know what's interesting? One of our big guests on today's show is obviously Alexander Gustafsson. I was thinking about this. I feel like the fact that the UFC hasn't had a show for the last two weekends feels to me like it has raised the, the importance and the legend and the stature of that UFC 165 main event because nothing has replaced it on the calendar. Now, once Damian Maia and Jake Shields fight this Wednesday in Brazil, we'll have something else to talk about, to analyze, to recap. But until then, it's still... Jones and Gustafson, that's the last thing that we saw inside the octagon, and I think that has made the fight even more special in its aftermath. At least, that's what I'm thinking right now. That's how I feel. We're joined in the back, as always, by New York Rick, Alfred, Will, and uh, Buzzkill kind of making an appearance here and there. We don't really know what he does these days, but uh, he is somewhere in the house. And, of course, as always, we are taking your questions and comments. Hit us up using the hashtag TheMMAHour or leave them in the post below. Like I said last week, we're giving a lot of love to the people who leave questions and comments uh, on the website, so hit us up over there as well. Via Twitter, you can get these tops cards, best one, maybe one or two this week, we're not sure. You heard about them, we've been talking about them for the last couple of weeks, so that's what's at stake this week. I'll run down uh, the the show for this week and then um, we will get to our first guest, who New York Rick is telling me... Uh, Okay. All right. I understand. All right. So uh, here's who's joining us this week. We've got Heron uh, and Henry Gracie. They'll be stopping by to talk about some interesting news coming out of their life. Adiatar, who's a rising star in the world of MMA management. Edson Barbosa, he'll be stopping by. Mike Ricci, recently released from the UFC. We'll be talking to him. And the aforementioned Alexander the Mahler Gustafson. But first, let us go to the phone lines and welcome in a uh, good friend, longtime friend of the show, UFC heavyweight veteran, former champion, Frank Mir, stopping by. Frank, how are you? I'm
3: right, good, thanks. Uh,
1: thank you for coming on. I, I want to know. Obviously, you were supposed to fight Alistair Overeem at UFC 167. We found out last week that's being moved to UFC 169 on February 1st in Newark. Why is that, in your opinion?
3: Um, I think this will give us more time to prepare. I think both of us have it. It's, just it's a, it's a pretty important fight for both of us in a career. Um, as far as I know, there was no reason as far as officially to move it.
4: Uh, you know, uh,
3: as he, he, you know, obviously I don't know his results while his testing, but everything I had done and man, for the athletic commission came back clear and positive. So, uh, as far as, uh, you know, I can move forward for the fight. So, um, as far as I know, just more time. To prepare. Uh,
1: the UFC put out a release saying that the Nevada commission wanted you to have more time coming off your, uh, last fight against Josh Barnett. Do you feel hundred percent? Do you feel like you need more time?
3: Um, you know, obviously more times just, uh, makes it better to prepare for an opponent. But as far as if it was a necessity, no, I felt fine.
1: Did they make you do any special, uh, you know, testing or anything like that for, you know, just, uh, you know, concussions or anything like, w- was there anything that came out that said, maybe this is a red flag that maybe we have to keep this guy on the sidelines for an extra two months? No, no nothing at all. Hmm. So are you disappointed?
3: You know, I would have been nice to have another fight before Christmas, but uh, other than that, no. You know, just uh, it's the way the fight game goes. People pull out due to injury, or you know, things get moved, shows. Um, So, I mean, you know, it's not something I'm not accustomed to in the you know 12 years of being with the UFC.
1: That was a special card. It was the 20th anniversary show. Are you upset that you're not on that card?
3: Um, That was kind of a you know. uh, a nice thing to be a part of, but uh, as far as, you know, once you're getting ready for a fight, you kind of like are so consumed with who you're fighting that as far as, you know, all the uh, uh, circumstances outside the octagon, we kind of fall to the wayside.
1: Have you even started your training camp? I mean, when you got this news, did it even begin?
3: Yeah, I was already in the middle of training.
1: Wow, so what do you do now? Obviously, you're not like a week out of the fight, but how do you then take your foot off the, the, the gas, so to speak, and readjust for a fight that's now... Uh, what uh, a little over two mu- two and a half months away.
3: Um, just that you know. Obviously, uh, sparring isn't going to be uh, put on the top of the list as far as the intensity. But just, you know, take a step back and just you know, uh, you know, we'll worry about doing training that's not going to cause so many injuries, and uh, worry about more like you know, looking to be long term in the gym, not so much uh, you know, uh, short term.
1: And by the way, when I say two and a half months away, two and a half months away from when you were supposed to fight in mid-November, of course, will you spend time at Jackson's once again?
3: Yes, uh, I think that's so. It's been a very positive thing as far as uh, how I've come out prepared and uh, for fights. I don't see change uh, for any reason.
1: So even though someone looks at your record and says, "All right, on paper, you lost your last two fights," you still feel like Jackson's is the place for you.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think that you know sometimes outcomes don't really, uh, you know. Uh, tell the t- full story you know I think as far as how I'm prepared it's, it's, it's better preparation I've been less prepared for fights and come out to victor um because the guy makes a mistake or something happens in the fight whereas uh in these last two fights I felt very prepared just you know not uh, you know on the uh doing uh, a W can't be the sole reason for the uh in evaluation
1: speaking of which have you watched the Barnett fight since it happened uh, the end of August of this year yeah and do you still believe that that was an early stoppage
3: Oh, absolutely. I think that uh, I didn't lose muscle tone when I went down. If I'd been hit and fallen to my chest, but the fact that I was able to put my hands down and catch myself to my hands and my knees, I think it shows that I was still there. And the rule kind of goes is you can't defend yourself intelligently. I was never even given an opportunity to defend myself intelligently because there's no follow-up strikes that were thrown in the fight. Had, you know, Barnett been throwing, you know, even just mild shots and teeing off on me, I think there'd be an argument that, well, you know, you weren't protecting yourself you can't even make an argument for whether he was or wasn't, or I was not able to defend myself intelligently because there was no attack. The referee never even gave it enough time to right. run out to do the next maneuver. I think that in itself says that
1: it was stopped too soon. You're usually calm, cool, and collected, but you seem very upset at the post-fight press conference. How mad were you, and how long did it take for you to get over that fight?
3: uh i was extremely angry about it i think the referee really dropped the ball line. Uh, you know and that, and that sucks because there's a lot of ways to lose a fight but uh, you know having somebody else just not properly able to do their job and crack into the pressure of being in a main event or a co-main event of a ufc it sucks you know and so uh it's upsetting
1: do you think that's what happened that he just got consumed by the moment it was a big deal a big fight and all that
3: yeah, I just think that, uh, you know, other fighters, you know, and I think they're going to wrap it up, you know, even the guys
1: with a ton of experience make mistakes. Why would you,
3: you know, uh, have somebody having their, uh, you know, did video, someone in the favor or something to, to, uh, to be in that type of situation with little or no experience, as far as I
1: know, in that type of fight? Did you ask the UFC for an immediate rematch?
3: No, uh, I kind of know that that wasn't going to work out. I wasn't going to pound my chest in that direction. I figured that, I, you know, uh, the, the, decisions, the decision that was made at the fight uh, is if I want a rematch, I have to put myself in that situation to, you know, upcoming fights, not sit there screaming and bellyaching about it. Uh, you know, I'd be more proactive.
1: What did you think when they offered you Overeem?
3: Um, you know, I think is a dangerous fight. I think that, uh, that, you know, he still had a lot of good attention to him. I think it's a great opportunity for me to, you know, to. Uh, Turn things around. I definitely don't uh, consider him. You know, his last two fights I know they consider losses, but I think they're kind of. You know, he was definitely winning the fights, and uh, you know I still have a lot of kind of respect for him. I think that uh, uh, it's a pretty scary uh, fight for anybody. Uh,
1: The fans have dubbed this fight "Loser Leaves Town," and people have asked Dana about this, asking if you know the 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 winner. You know, you have to win. If not, you have to go elsewhere. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like if you don't win, you shouldn't be in the UFC?
3: Um well I don't know, I think it just depends on how much we're able to draw. I've always, you know, kinda of held to that argument. When people asked about certain explanations of why why certain guys get title shots some guys don't, and I've always told people there's is entertainment business.
5: Mm-hmm. Uh
3: you know, there isn't just so much who has you know, a thirty 0 record, but you know, if no one wants to come watch you fight, it doesn't matter. As far as if the w UFC willing to release us, I mean I've heard St. Janet Danis is absolutely I don't I, know, I, you know, I find that hard to believe that they're going to allow Alistair to uh, be picked up by another organization. I still think he could sell a ton of tickets. So, you know, myself, uh, you know, I don't know. I keep my opinion, I guess.
1: Uh, sorry, would you say you keep
3: what? I keep my opinion myself on me. I, I don't know. if uh, I guess I'd have to see, you know, what I'm selling afterwards.
1: Are you even thinking of retirement these days?
3: No, I wasn't. But uh, obviously, I have no real desires to fight for another organization. Uh, so, if I were to be let go, then I think that would be, uh, you know, a huge step in the form of retirement.
1: But do you feel as though uh, there will be pressure going into this fight because, you know, the, the losing streak, the fact that both of you are, um, you know, coming off losses? Do you think that will be a big theme and that's something that'll be weighing on your shoulders going into this fight?
3: No, I mean, I think weighing in my shoulders is not getting kneed by Alistair in a clinch. <laughs> It's pretty much (laughs) not what the fans think about what will happen after the fight. I try to stay focused on the task at hand. So uh, pretty much, you know, I think that Alistair, you know, I've shown weaknesses in the clinch in uh, in my past fights, and I think Alistair probably has the best clinch in me. And all of them, I think he's probably the most dangerous guy in that area.
1: So you don't think he's slowed down despite the two losses in the UFC?
3: No, I think that, I mean, I mean, if he had my referee in the last fight, then I think he would have to a win. Sure. <laughs> uh, and then against, uh, uh, a Bigfoot, you know, I had him winning the first two rounds and just, he got fatigued. I think that, uh, you know, from what I understand, he's changing up his camp and he's leading the uh, Black Zillions. So I, I really looked to see a guy who has conditioning back put on a notch how he was when he fought Brock the first time. And, uh, you know, so no, I don't see somebody who's supposed <laughs> to be taken lightly, or you know, is not really a force to be reckoned with.
1: You heard he's leaving the Black Stallions?
3: Oh, and just of rumors and stuff where he's training and whatnot. It probably has no truth to it whatsoever. But I do, you know, I just, I guess, I always put myself in the worst situation possible. I always imagine guys who could be at their best.
1: Right. And I know you have to go, so I'll just ask you a couple more questions and we'll let you go. Thank you so much uh, for the time. Uh, Alistair told me this a couple of uh, weeks ago on this show. He said, quote, I'm telling you this, if I lose to Frank Mir, I better start doing something else. If I lose to him and that's three in a row, then I better start doing something else, right? So what do you think of that? What, what, does, that, what does that say to you about how he views Frank Mir?
3: Uh, I don't know if it really views me per se. I just think he says he loses three in a row, that he realizes that the UFC lost some truth behind the fact of letting them go.
1: Okay, so you don't think that that means that he feels that, you know, you're below him and if he can't beat this guy, then he can't do this job?
3: No, I didn't take it that way at all. I think if he was on a win streak and said he lost me, i has to go find something else. I guess I took that as insulting. But the fact that he mentioned the three in a row loss... And with everything else going on for the fight, I think he's just uh, weighing in on what the, uh, the circumstances mount, about mean you know, and, and the total, uh, you know, fanfare and with the UFC's
1: stadium. John Jones will be the main event of that card. Does that work out for you? Do, you? do you guys even train together when you're at Jackson's?
3: Oh, yeah, no, it works out great for me. It's actually a huge benefit.
1: Okay, and, and final thing, Frank, I wanted to ask you, are you familiar with this whole thing that Danny Castillo started? I, I always wanted to ask you this, the, the Frank Mirface thing on Twitter, and what do you think of it? Do you, do you like this, or does it annoy you?
3: Oh, no, I find it, I think it's cool. I have no problems with it, I mean, it's, uh, I, uh, it's something that my family and I, like. especially my wife, one of my kids does it or something. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's always a laugh when we make jokes, and I've always took it in a positive light.
1: So th- were they talking about the Frank Mir face before it even became a thing on Twitter? No,
3: actually, no. Danny Casino can take full credit for that. Uh, <laughs> you know, my wife would always remark about my facial expressions, but she never <laughs> actually gave it a term. So, uh,
1: <laughs> and now when you, you do know, it... That was- now, when you do it, do they yeah. mention it?
3: Oh, all the time. So I like with my wife, and I, it's actually caused a few arguments to end in laughing. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm still, I'll say something, and, you know, obviously a remark will made, and, you know, my facial expression will follow, and next thing you know.
1: You catch yourself we're all doing laughing. it. You think you do do it well, too. She'll
3: catch me doing it. You know, she'll be like, Did you just fake face me? I'm like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's amazing. Great stuff. Uh, Frank, I got to say, disappointed the fight's not happening on the 20th anniversary show, but happy to hear you're okay and that the fight will happen in February. Thanks for stopping by, as always, and good luck in training. Oh, I appreciate it. Thanks. There he is, Frank Mir stopping by. says he's okay, but uh, Keith Kaiser, the executive director of the Nevada State Athletic Commission, uh, thought otherwise. And uh, UFC came out with a press release uh, Thursday evening saying that uh, they they... They aren't going to be able to put on this show. This was on the November 16th show. This was the the big UFC uh, 20th anniversary show, UFC 167, Johnny Hendricks versus George St. Pierre. And uh, it wasn't the co-main event. The co-main event, of course, was Chael Sonnen versus Rashad Evans. And a nice card, Roy McDonald, Robbie Lawler's on the card. Interestingly enough, Dana White told me that the fight that will be replacing it on the main card uh, was or is... Uh, Tyron Woodley versus Josh Koscheck, which I found to be interesting because I thought that was already on the main card, but uh, apparently it wasn't. Apparently it was going to be on the Fox Sports 1 prelims. Now it's on the pay-per-view card. That's a great fight as well, Uh, a fight that I actually thought the UFC should have booked when Woodley and Lawler came into the UFC earlier this year. I thought Lawler versus Jay Haran and Woodley versus Koscheck made more sense. We know how all that turned out. Uh, Lawler and Woodley got big knockouts, but since then, Woodley lost to Jake Shields at UFC 161 June 15th in Winnipeg, and now he's looking to get back on track, as is Josh Koscheck. So, uh, the new fight date for Frank Mir and Alistair Overeem will be February 1st in Newark, New Jersey. And the main event is going to be John Jones versus Glover Teixeira. And why that card is interesting for many reasons. Typically, the UFC puts on its uh, Super Bowl uh, weekend show in Las Vegas, of course. Last few years, it's been very successful. It's a good time in Las Vegas. One of those uh, dates that the UFC, you didn't think, would uh, try to you know, veer away from From Las Vegas because a lot of people come to gamble on football and whatnot, but uh, because the Super Bowl this year is going to be in New Jersey, the New York, New Jersey area, that's how they're billing it, but really it's in New Jersey at the MetLife Stadium, home of the Giants and Jets, Uh, and it is airing on Fox. They wanted to really make that a very big weekend. Here in New York, it's a huge weekend for sports, all kinds of events. The Knicks playing the Heat that Saturday night. Um, The Rangers have a very big uh, game. I think they're playing the Islanders at Yankee Stadium, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Anyway, there's a lot going on. UFC wants to be a part of it. Unfortunately, they can't be at MSG, but they will be at The Rock, the potential center on February 1st. So uh, unfortunate news there, but the good news is for East Coast fans, you're going to get to see that fight. And I don't, I don't like necessarily the term uh, loser leaves town. I, you know, I, I think sometimes we forget that this, you know, this is real life and these are people with jobs and families and kids wives and 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 all that stuff, and it seems like it's unfair pressure to put on them, but when you look at their resume, I can see the UFC having an easier time cutting ties with Alistair, given his big contract, given the fact that he's not a mainstay of the UFC. If he loses this fight, he said it himself, if he loses, he thinks he should probably go out and do something else, but with Frank, I feel like it's going to be one of those situations where if they feel like he can't cut it anymore, and remember, you know, he, he did lose that fight to uh, Josh Barnett, but it was somewhat controversial. The, the Cormier fight, he didn't get beaten up, but, it, you know, it was a decision fight and uh, uh, somewhat one-sided. He did come back in the third, um, and Cormier seemed to be off his game that night, and then he lost to Junior Dos Santos. Prior to that, had won three in a row, defeating uh, Cro defeating Nelson, which, you know, obviously is uh, impressive considering how Nelson has been doing as of late, save for the Stipe Miocic fight, and then the big submission win over Big Nog. So, I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, If he loses, this will be his fourth in a row, but uh, it doesn't sound like he wants to retire, and I think the UFC will... Tread lightly. He is a legend. Uh, after all, he is a uh, multiple time champion, and he's a guy who was part of the UFC from the, the old days, and they usually take care of those guys. Um, I got into the Frank Mir interview rather quickly uh, because he was short on time, so I failed to mention that today's show is being brought to you by our good friends at Glory. You see the gloves there. Uh, we talked about it last week. This Saturday, they make their Spike TV debut at 9 p.m. Eastern at the Sears Center Arena in Hoffman Estates, Illinois and uh, the main event is Tyrone Spong versus or the the, the main attraction fight is Tyrone Spong versus uh, Nathan Corbett and also of note some some names if you're a casual uh, kickboxing fan that's what we're talking about here this is the 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 new kid um, uh, from the world of combat sports on the block and uh, if if you're a casual kickboxing fan you may have heard of the names Gokansaki Saki Daniel Gita these Uh, fighters will be performing on the card. Anderson Silva, not the same Anderson Silva. He'll be on the card as well. So uh, it's this Saturday, October 12th, Spike TV, 9 p.m. Eastern time in Hoffman uh, Estates, Illinois, which is I think like 45 or so minutes away from Chicago, and it is uh, rather close to Indiana as well. A lot of MMA events have been held at the Sears Center Arena uh, in Hoffman Estates, and uh, everyone says... Uh, Mr. New York Rick, while we have a few minutes here, you're there, right? I'm here. Everyone says this is like the, the best kickboxing card of all time. Is that true?
2: Yeah. Uh, it's definitely up there. Um, just based on the strength of the heavyweight tournament alone. Um, and then you throw on, uh, the, one of the most anticipated rematches ever. Um, it's definitely up there in terms of pure kickboxing, uh, matchups.
1: Well, you really sold me on it. Your enthusiasm about the card is just off the charts.
2: It's a good card, man.
1: <laughs> Isn't there a heavyweight tournament going on?
2: That's what I said. Oh, you did the okay. heavyweight tournament. That, that's who, what I led off with. Uh, I mean, the the two um, Go Saki, Saki, Saki and Gita are are widely considered um, two of the three best in the world. So, I mean, that that says it all. And then Verhoeven and um, and uh, Anderson Silva are in the top ten as well for heavyweights, so it, it's it's stacked.
1: Isn't there a video of Anderson Silva, the MMA version of Anderson Silva, training with Verhoeven? Didn't I see that somewhere?
2: That yeah, that might happen. That might have happened. Um, or, I uh, know.
1: Uh, it was in, it was in the morning report today.
2: Was it? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, I know Anderson Silva was over at um, th- uh, I think it was Kings MMA uh, at some point. He was he was over. Um, in Europe training. Um, so it's very, it's highly possible that, that he was training with some high-level kickboxers.
1: Yeah, I, uh, I'm i looking for the video now. I think it was Verhoeven. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, yeah, it is. Uh, there's a couple of videos. There's two videos of him training and talking to Verhoeven, but the subtitles are in Dutch. So if you can understand Dutch or you just want to see them train, check it out in the morning report. Which, by the way, uh, I should mention our, our pal David St. Martin who took over for Sean Alshadi in the Morning Report, uh, is doing a great job. So uh, in a couple minutes, we're going to be joined by Alexander Gustafson. And thank you very much to our good friends at uh, Glory for being a part of the show. Again, October 12th, this Saturday, 9 p.m. on Spike TV. In a couple minutes, we'll be joined by The Mauler. And like I said, you know, I don't, I don't know. Do, do, you, do you agree with me on this one before you call him? Do you feel like the fight is, is even more special because nothing has uh, replaced it as far as the UFC's calendar is concerned?
2: I'm sorry, I was about to make a phone
1: call. Say it oh, It feels to me like this fight is even more special because we have had time to marinate over it, to let it kind of settle. No other fight cards, no other fights, big fights have happened since then, and, and I think that has actually benefited the fight. You understand what I'm saying?
2: You're talking about the UFC card.
1: I'm talking about Gustafsson and Jones. It feels like the fight. Oh, f- I see. Because something didn't happen the next week and it was kind of out of sight, out of mind— It's the last fight that happened inside the octagon officially, so it feels like it's almost even more important now.
2: I've definitely noticed, like uh, you know, there's been a simmering of of you know people talking about the fight uh, and how great it was. But I I definitely agree that we're kind of still stewing in the juices of that fight, Um, and that's the way it should be. That was a a fantastic fight. uh, We've gotten to a point where it's just move on to the next card, move on to the next card, move on to the next card. Um, So it's kind of nice to experience that. But I definitely agree that I kind of feel that. Um, and the next one should be just as good, hopefully.
1: Well, the next one's on Wednesday. It's uh, Jake Shields and Damian Maya, and we'll get to the picks later on, uh, including Mama Knows' picks. But I always talk about, you know, the shows, and at this point, there's almost no point in talking about it because as long as this UFC and Fox deal is is still intact and it's a seven-year deal and we're coming to an end of year number two, there are going to be a lot of fights. So you might as well just accept it at this point. But oftentimes, sometimes, there are these stretches where there's a fight and there's a couple of weeks before it, you you get some time to really pump it up, think about it and analyze it and cover it. And then there are times when that happens, which kind of happened with this one. But then after the fact, if it's a good card and they're two, three weeks off, you really get time to... Think about it. And this one, I mean, it, it really helped them that there were no fights. In my opinion, it it helped the 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 stature of Alexander Gusterson, the even of John Jones and what he did. It it just feels like we've been talking about this fight longer than usual, and that, in my opinion, is simply because there haven't been any other fights. There haven't been any other fights to talk about. And remember, the the UFC fight this weekend is on a Wednesday. So, by the way, there's no UFC tonight. There's a pre-fight show at 4 p.m., and then the prelims on uh, Fox Sports 1. All the fights are on Fox Sports 1 from 5 to uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Main card, quote-unquote, is at 7 p.m., and then the Ultimate Fighter is on at uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Time on uh, Fox Sports 1. But there's still a lot going on with Alexander Gustafsson, and the UFC said recently that uh, he will be fighting around the time that John Jones fights which is of course February 1st in Newark he's going to be fighting in Sweden but we don't know against who just yet uh and I was talking to Eric Delfiero of Alliance MMA and we'll get to that when we when we talk to uh, Gustafsson about who would be out there um he emphatically said that you know he doesn't want Gustafson to fight Phil Davis. He doesn't think it makes sense to have that rematch now. Two guys up there as far as contenders are concerned, and what's the point of having them fight, especially because they train together? And I agree. I don't think there's any point in, in doing that rematch now, especially with, uh, you know, Cormier coming down to 205. And and I still think it, you know, I know his, his camp keep saying otherwise, but I still think it makes a hell of a lot more sense for Musasi to stick around at, at 205 as opposed to 185. There's a quicker path to the title, in my opinion, and I think that fight would make a lot of sense, especially back in Sweden, where it was supposed to happen in, in April, but his team is uh, very much set on having him go down to 185, and they seem to think that a win over Alir Latifi means more than a razor-thin decision win, or decision loss, I should say, to the champion, John Jones, arguably the greatest of all time. Time. Whatever we'll see when he's ready. Anyway, um, there's also uh, Little Nog, who's out there, who Gustafsson was supposed to fight uh, in Sweden last year before Little Nog got injured and Thiago Silva uh, replaced him. That was a, a very big moment for the Mahler getting to fight back at home and in the main event of a UFC show and uh, beating up the, uh, the 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 veteran Brazilian. But you know, and Little Nog is getting married in November. And uh, his manager told me that he'll be looking to fight um, early next year. So that might work out as well. For now, well, let's get the answers from the man himself. And let's welcome in the mauler, Alexander Gustafson, who is on the line right now. Alex, how are you?
6: I'm good, thanks. How are you?
1: I'm great. Thank you so much for for stopping by. You know, before you came on, I was saying that it feels to me like this fight has, your fight against Jon Jones has become an even bigger story. The stature of the fight has grown because no other UFC fights have happened since then. So we've had a lot of time to think about it and dissect it and digest the whole thing. Do you understand what I'm saying and do you agree with that?
6: Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, it's been a... It's been been, a... Uh, uh, you know, two weeks since I fought and it's been uh, it's been crazy, more or less
1: So when you say crazy, what do you mean? Like, Do you feel like you're a much bigger star in Sweden after that fight, even though you did lose it?
6: You know, I'm a a, yeah, you know, uh, it's been I'm in a whole nother position right now in my my career Uh, it's been uh, a lot of media Uh, I had a lot of a lot of Swedish fans, a lot of European fans, a lot of fans over uh, uh, the world, and uh, it's, it's been, it's been, uh, you know, it's, it's been great. Uh, a lot, a lot of media, good media, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's been a lot, a lot of things uh, happening these two weeks.
1: Were media that you know didn't cover you beforehand. Now you know, big media over there now giving you attention and and noticing that the sports a big deal and that you're a big deal
6: yeah you know they take the sport more serious and they take you know our, our athletes and, and me and uh yeah it, it's been um, it's been uh, you know uh, two two good weeks uh, with, with media
1: do you think that uh, anything would have been different as far as how people perceived you after the fact had you won the fight or do you feel like because it was so close because you came off looking so great so tough so much heart so much desire and it feels like you've you've received so many fans because so many people sympathized with you wanted you to win thought you won that it it kind of ended up being the same thing with the belt or without the belt people perceive you the same way do you feel that way?
6: Uh, Uh Yeah, you know, I don't know how how my life w- would be with the belt. <laughs> so, but but uh, yeah, you know, uh it's been um, just just good things has been, you know, coming out with this fight, just good things, uh, you know, and uh and you know, I just uh, feeling so uh I'm feeling very you know, uh, very comfortable in, in my position. Uh, I just, in my mind, in, in my my head, in my thoughts, I'm still, uh, you know, when I think about it, I'm very disappointed because the, the belt for me is the most important thing, nothing else, not the media, nothing else, just mm. the belt. And uh, I didn't get it with me this time. So I'm disappointed, but uh, but the whole thing around it, it's been great.
1: How do you feel physically? Hello, Alex. Can you hear me? Alex, did we yeah, lose yeah, you? I oh, hear you. You hear me? Um, how do you feel physically?
6: I feel good. I feel good. I'm back in training, uh, staying busy here, and try to you know uh, work, uh, build my body again. You know, make it strong, and uh, yeah, I work a lot of my techniques. And uh,
4: yeah,
1: so I feel good. Did you take any time off after that?
6: Yeah, yeah. I've had a I had a, a week or you know 10 days off and uh now, now I'm back um, I'm just you know it, 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 it's it's easy training it's not it's not a um, you know it's not cam, it's not camp training it's just uh, you know um, having fun and uh, you know uh, enjoying the training right how, now
1: How many times have you watched the fight since it happened Uh
6: just just once not not even I didn't even even watch it for the full fight just Really? Almost one, one time, yeah.
1: <laughs> Why not?
6: No, I, I've I've had a tough time to watch the fight because uh, I lost it, and they will take it, take it. You know, uh, a certain time for me to to and you know, I have the you know have the I don't know what what, what to say, but uh, to have the the to watch the fight. You know, it, 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 it's it's uh, I don't I don't so good, you know, because I lost, and, and I, I'm probably the, the plan is, worst loser ever, and uh, it just take time for me. Uh,
1: so, there are a lot of people who still think you deserve to win the fight. Are you at all intrigued to see, all right, let me see, let me try to score this thing and see if I really did deserve to win it? Uh,
6: yeah, you know, yeah, you know, like... You can say, you can say, you know, people can say uh, that I won the fight, that I didn't win the fight, and, you know, I won the scorecard and everything, but, you know, it's it's all up to judges, and I didn't do enough to win the fight. And that's enough for me. You know, that's enough for me. I, I don't need to know anymore. I would just feel worse knowing anything else. <laughs> so, it's, uh, so, but, you know, I love this fight, and uh, it's, it's just, it's just going to make me stronger, and, you know, John, you know, he, he, can, he can fight where he wants to fight, uh, and it can take forever. But I will be around around him all the time, and, and I will be ready for, for another fight with
1: him. You know, he, he told me that he watched the fight, this was last week, that he watched the fight, uh, you know, over 10 times, and he thinks he decisively won at least three of the rounds. And a lot of people were upset after he said this because he said that now he thinks it's time to move on, and then they gave him a fight against Glover Teixeira. Did you hear these comments and, and and what did you think that that he was saying that he doesn't think the immediate rematch is the right call that he should fight someone else next uh,
6: yeah uh, you know he, you know it, he can he can say whatever he wants to say uh, the thing is uh, i'm not done I'm not done and i'm uh, i'm not, I'm not uh, happy how everything ended so I want that ball that's my big goal and uh, you know it's I will have my rematch and I will get that ball one day and uh, he knows it too and uh, you know uh, so I can't wait
1: do you think you say he knows that too do you you think he's trying to duck you uh, you know to put it bluntly sorry do you think he's trying to avoid you do you think he's trying to duck you
6: uh, I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't think John, John himself, you know, will try to duck me. You know, he's, he's a fighter and he's uh, he's a champ. So i do not thinking that he will, he will try to duck me or anything like that. You know, we're both professionals, but uh, you know, let's see. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's, it's all, all up to, to the UFC and uh, they want they want him to fight Glover and uh, you know I, I want to see that fight and. Uh, and I don't want to, and I'll probably fight someone else. I don't have any name yet or any place, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll be around all the time, and I'll be ready for for John when he's he's done, with, when when the, when the fight is over for, for with the Glover.
1: And and we'll get to that in a second. But I, I'm just wondering, were you hoping to get the rematch? Like you, I know what you said to me after the fight, but did you think deep down that they were going to do it because it was so close and so many people loved the fight?
6: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really thought so, and in my my head, it was a done deal. But mm. uh, now, now we are in this uh, now in this situation, and uh, yeah, uh, I'm just waiting for for my opponent.
1: How how disappointed were you when they told you you weren't getting the rematch?
6: I was disappointed. I was disappointed. Uh, but uh, you know, I just it is what it is, and. Uh, you know that that won't stop me. Uh, I will I will fight wherever the UFC gives me, and after that, uh, I'll be more than ready for a title fight again.
1: Are you rooting for John to beat Glover so that you can get the rematch against him for the title?
6: Yeah, you know it would be a great fight. You shouldn't. No one should like say that Glover. You know, count him out because he's a strong guy. He's he's super hard and he's uh, he's just a strong guy. Uh, but uh, I think John's uh, has. Uh, has uh, too many tools uh, for Glover, and I think he, he will beat him. And, uh, you know, uh, for me, the big goal is, is uh, the belt, and, uh, uh, you know, I' fight Jones again and take the belt from him, that's, uh, that's, my, that's my dream.
1: Did the UFC tell you, you know, flatly that if you win your next fight, you're fighting for the belt next, no matter what?
6: No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Uh, I just know that I will fight someone else, uh, and not Jones, so... Uh, I'm just I'm just waiting and see what that opponent is, and uh and I will, and and uh, now we get ready for that one
1: in Sweden, right?
6: Uh, I don't know where it's going to be. I heard rumors uh, Sweden, and uh, but I, nothing is said and done. down, and nothing is uh, is uh, confirmed, and uh, so, so I'm waiting, and I will fight whoever and wherever. wherever
1: do you have a preference do you, do, you, do you have someone in mind that you think makes sense for you next
6: I don't I actually don't I, the only thing that makes sense for me is John Jones uh-huh. again and uh, that's the fight I want that's the fight in my head still uh, and it will be in my head to I get another opponent and I'll put all my focus on, on that one so, do you, I don't have any preference and nothing like that
1: you still think about John a lot you know two and a half weeks later or so uh
6: yeah, you know, I think I think about the belt and uh, I think, you know, uh, it, it's been a lot of thoughts these two weeks, but, uh, you know, I have to move on and, uh, and focus on my training and uh, what I can do better.
1: And speaking of your training, there was a report that came out last week that said that you are no longer going to be a part of Alliance and you're going to stay in Sweden to train. Can you clear this up for us? Is that in fact true?
6: No, not at all. Not at all. You know, I'm still part of Alliance. Uh, you know, uh, my, my, uh, my gym here, uh, all stars training center in Stockholm has a close relationship to, to, with team alliance. Uh, we, you know, we work together as a team and, uh, I, I will go, I will, uh, I'm based in Stockholm and training in Stockholm and that's, that's what I will do, but I will still go with San Diego, uh, and, uh, for a short period of times and, uh, you know, and, uh, Eric Deferro, the head coach of uh, team alliance will still be in my corner. He will still have a, close relationship with my head coach and Michael and you know just as it's been the, the last year the last uh, year so and, and this is how it will be in the future too
1: the, the, they um they put a quote out that people translated saying that you didn't want to be training with Phil Davis because one day you might fight each other again and you didn't think it makes sense did you say that
6: no I didn't, huh. I didn't. no I didn't Wow. So that's 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 not true at all. Uh, you know, we're close friends. We are we are teammates, and uh, uh, I prefer not to fight him. Um, if the UFC wants us to fight for a title or you know, who knows what the future will bring? We can, we uh, we will take that question then. But uh, I, I, uh, you know, I, I will not fight Phil Davis uh, if it's up to me.
2: So you're still
1: part of Alliance. All that was BS.
6: Yeah, I am. I am. It's just that, you know, I'm training in Sweden, I'm based in Sweden, and this is where my home are, home is, and, uh, but, uh, you know, we still have a close relationship with Team Alliance, so.
1: You know, after the fight, and we'll let you go in two minutes, thank you very much for the time, Alex. Uh, after the fight, you posted a picture on your Instagram that became a huge hit, and in my opinion is maybe the picture of the year, you and John. Whose idea was it to take that picture?
6: That was actually John's idea.
1: Wow! Really?
6: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we took a picture. We were joking around, and uh, you know, we we showed our, our respect to each other for the fight, and we we thanked each other for the fight, and uh, you know, just having fun. What did you guys? <laughs> what did you guys
1: say to each other?
6: No, I don't really remember. Uh, we just, you know, uh, you know, we just talked, and uh, he. he, he we gave him a lot of credit for the fight. I gave him a lot of credit for the fight, and uh, you know, we
4: just
6: we just talked uh, normal talk.
1: And did you take some? I don't. I don't want to say pride, but did you think yeah. it was somewhat interesting yeah. that he's on the hospital bed, he's more banged up than you, but yet you lost?
6: Yeah, that's what happens if you leave it to the judges, right? <laughs> right.
1: That, that is what ha- I, I saw an interview with you after the fact, and you said that. You already know what you'll do differently next time. Is that true? Do you, do you already have it in your mind? If I do this, I got him. Yeah. What is that? Just,
6: just train harder on everything. That's you it. Know, just you know, breaking records and push, push the limit even more. That's what you. That's what the, what I have to do. You know, and uh, I just. You know, I'll be, be training. You know, uh, for coming back now uh, for a couple of days, and uh, we haven't really. Sit down, I haven't sit down with my team yet, and we we have to. We actually have to break down the fight and and see what I can do much better and uh, and what I did wrong in, in the fight and and so on. But uh, that will come.
1: Final question uh, for you Alex and again thank you very much it's been great talking to you Uh, I asked you before the fight uh, if you know you are going to be the Ingemar Johansson of uh, Swedish MMA you'll do what uh, what he did back in the 50s when he defeated Floyd Patterson you didn't win the fight but you feel like you did put Swedish MMA on the map maybe like what he did way back when with Swedish boxing
6: Uh, you know both both yes and no. Uh, yes, because I am in, in a whole other position. Uh, it's been huge. The MMA has been a, been a huge hit in, in Sweden. It's been on uh, the, biggest, the biggest media, the TVs. And, uh, so yes, in that way, but at the same time, no, because Ima Johnson, he, he took the belt, and I didn't. So uh, I wouldn't uh, say that uh, I did what he did, but uh, the MMA is much bigger here now, and it's, it's just getting bigger. So uh, the future looks uh, very good.
1: Well, I I speak for everyone. I I hope you do get another shot, and I think you will get another shot. You deserve it. I'm still in awe of you. I'm still in awe of what you did there in uh, Toronto on September 25th. It was unbelievable, and uh, you should enjoy everything after the fact, and I hope to see you back in the Octagon very soon.
6: Thank you. Appreciate that. Thank you.
1: All right. There he is, the mauler, Alexander Gustafsson. I said September 25th, September 21st, UFC 165. Uh, getting my my dates all messed up, but uh, it, it I, I really am. I was watching the fight last night, and uh, I, I think it's one one of those rare occasions where the guy loses the title fight, but his stock just so much higher than it once was. Uh, for for Ali, I, you know, the, I, you just view him differently. You know, a lot of people didn't give him any respect, didn't give him any shot going into that fight, and you just view him differently now. You you just you just see him in a whole other light. He is a superstar now, in my opinion. This guy stood toe to toe with the best fighter today, arguably the greatest of all time. And I say that even though he doesn't have the amount of fights and and title defenses that won Anderson Silva or George St. Pierre has. But in my opinion, he has defeated tougher competition. That is John Jones. Stood toe to toe, had a chance to defeat him. Um, you know, the the thing was essentially tied going into the fourth, in my opinion for a guy who had no shot who was such a big underdog that no one was you know thinking it was going to even have a chance to go two rounds with John Jones the way he handled himself after the fact the way he handles himself now you know 3 weeks later it's just great and i'm very curious to see who they match him up with next i'm very curious to see if it will be in sweden and if so how will the swedish fans react to Alexander Gustafsson. We know he was a big deal. Those first two shows that the UFC put on in Sweden were massive deals. Unfortunately for the second one, he couldn't fight. 11th hour gets cut. Alir Latifi steps in. But those shows were big and sold out. Could they do it in a soccer stadium this time? Probably not in February, but you get my point. The man is a very big star and and uh, and I think it's great that he's still somewhat with Alliance, but you can kind of understand what he's saying. Gonna especially if he's fighting at home in Sweden, kind of makes sense to you know keep training at home. But you know Alliance certainly helped get him back on track after the loss to Phil Davis at UFC 112. And uh, and I think it would be somewhat of a shame for him to you know break up with Alliance, so to speak. But just a great fight, and and, and I'm happy that there have been no UFC fights since then so that we can really give it the respect and attention that it deserves because, in my opinion, it is still the fight of the year and it is still, uh, in my opinion, forget fight of the year, best light heavyweight title fight, best fight period. Interesting that he hasn't watched it really in its entirety since. I get that 100%. I have a hard time watching this show after it's done, Um, especially when I feel like it's a, you know, subpar show. Point being, it's hard watching your work when you feel like you fell short. Um, Obviously not comparing a a regular Monday show to a UFC light heavyweight title. You know what I'm saying. Here come the haters. Uh, Let us move along. Let us uh, discuss Mike Ricci, who will be joining us in a matter of seconds here. He last... He last fought... On that same card, September 21st in Toronto, UFC 165, he fought Miles Jury and lost to Jury. And after that, the UFC decided to release Ricci, who ends his UFC run 1-2. Uh, and two. Uh, Of course, the last time prior to UFC 165 that he fought, he defeated Colin Fletcher in Montreal, in his hometown of Montreal, lost Tough 16 finale to Colton Smith. Uh, Did get the knockout of the season award for that season that was coached by Roy Nelson and uh, Shane Carwin. But after that fight in Toronto, uh, parted ways with UFC. and Now we welcome him in via the magic of Skype. There he is, Mike Ricci. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good, man. How you doing? I'm doing great. So, uh, like I said, uh, unfortunate news for you, uh, you know, getting released from the UFC after the loss to Miles Jury. Were you surprised when you found this out?
0: Well, I mean, I, I felt it could have went either way. You know, um, I don't really um, disagree with the UFC and, and with their decision. I understand the circumstances and they have to, um, you know, they have to make decisions, tough decisions. And uh, I feel like you know, coming out of tough, they had a lot of expectations for me. They gave me some big fights, and um, they didn't really work out the way they wanted to. So, you know, that was the decision they made.
1: You look at that last fight. What what happened there? Because the fans were obviously not uh, very happy with it. They were booing. Even for, for Miles, who had the victory, why did it turn out that way, in your opinion?
0: In all honesty, I mean, the fans are getting more educated, but hopefully this can, can further educate them. Uh, the fight really takes place months before you know it it actually happens like me and miles our training happened months prior to that and we the fight happened a thousand times over in the gym and i think the way that he trained for the fight and the way that i trained for the fight you know he really wanted to counter a lot of the things i did he really knew what i was going to do and i knew what he was going to do and i was trying to counter him and i think it just created a stalemate Mm. So, um, you know, that's what happens. Guys train a certain way and then fight night, the way they trained it, it's going to, you know, show in the, in the fight. And, and, uh, the fight is a direct product of training. I think that me and Miles kind of just canceled each other out.
1: When you, I, I'm wondering, you know, the, the crowd is booing and, and people are getting restless. Do you hear that? And what are you thinking when you hear that?
0: Yeah, I, I heard it. And a few times I, you know, it was, it was going to get the better of me. I, I wanted to I was saying to myself in the cage, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to knuckle up you know, and, and, and go at this guy and start, start a war. And then I, I realized that you know, Miles is a high-level fighter, and if I did that, I, I probably would have made myself look even stupider. You know? So I, I, just, I tried you know, to, to implement something, to, to look for something, but there really weren't very many holes in his game.
1: Do you feel like if you would have done that but still lost, you would have had another shot in the UFC?
0: I think so. Um, but at the same time I could have done that and, and, um, and gotten knocked out or finished and then, you know, really been in in a bad spot. But, um, regardless, I I think that, that the fights are a direct product of training and I really believe that coming out of the tough house, that was my issue. I I think that we fought with a sense of urgency considering everyone was a lot larger than we were.
4: Mm.
0: And when, when I got out of the house, I felt all the advantages that I gave up, physically reach and size and all of this stuff I gained back at lightweight, so I felt like there wasn't as much urgency. I felt like I can play my game and I can try to pick guys apart and 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 you know take my time. I felt like I wasn't as in danger as I was at welterweight, and I just think that that mentality and that type of training ended up you know giving these lackluster fights that that ended up happening um, so really this this is more about me you know fixing. My problems, not not really worrying about jury or who's next or, hmm. or who's
1: after that. So, does that mean you're going back up to 170? No,
0: no, I, I'm not going to go back up to 170. I just feel that the approach that I took to my training at lightweight w- wasn't the right approach. If you think about it, you watch my fight with Fletcher or with Jury. You know, I was never really in any sort of danger at any time, and I, I think I might have got hit once in both of those fights. So. You know, I don't think that I'm fighting guys who are better than me. I don't think that Miles is better than me. I don't think Fletcher is better than me. I think I'm a better athlete than the both of them and a better fighter as well. I just think I took the wrong approach. Nobody is saying, oh, look at Mike, he can't cut it in the UFC. He got beat. He got beat up both of his fights. It's no, it's why didn't Mike perform? Why didn't Mike finish this guy? These are the questions that are being asked. Regardless of Miles' 12-0 record or or Fletcher's record or him making it to the tough finale, everyone's wondering why I didn't finish these guys. Because everyone knows my capability. And I'm coming on record. That's why I came on here to tell everyone that it's my training. I've been taking a different approach to training, and it has not worked out for me. And me and my coaches have had meetings, and we've decided that we're going to revamp everything.
1: So what what do you mean by that? What are you going to change, and what do you think you were doing wrong going into these fights?
0: I think I took more of a calm approach to the fights. Like I said, there was no sense of urgency to finish this guy and get rid of him right away because we felt that we had a reach advantage, a size advantage, and and, a technical advantage. So we were saying, you know, we don't have to rush things. We don't have to go out there and and take risks. We can just, you know, pick our guys apart and stuff. But I I don't think that that really meshed well with my style of fighting. If you watch, you know, in the last 12 months, you know, I've put on a pair of UFC gloves seven times at welterweight and lightweight, and I don't think you've ever really seen anybody move forward on me and try to put anything on me, you know. No one's ever tried to scrap with me or, or beat me up. You watch all seven of those fights, regardless of the weight, everyone always backs up when they fight me. So I think that I should have taken advantage of that coming down to lightweight. I should have imposed myself a little more, but instead I tried to play, you know, not necessarily safe, but I just tried to play the game a little more.
1: And, you know, sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes uh, the TriStar team receives criticism for this. Sometimes people say that they, you know... it's a jab fest. The guys play it safe, you know. George St. Pierre, as you know, has received a ton of criticism. Guys like Miguel Torres, Kenny Florin, they've all received criticism when working with TriStar. Is this a TriStar problem, in your opinion?
0: Well, I really can't speak on, on, on anybody else or their style or, or what's really going on. I, I think it was um, it was a, a team effort. You know, we we all work together, so it's not one guy who's going to come out and say, "Let's fight this way," or "Let's fight that way." Um, i think it it's a, it's a joint effort and we we do take a technical approach and and um you know we have a system um, so regardless of 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 where what where it stems from or, or what the issue is um i'm really focused on myself uh and I did fight that way, and that 's not the way I like to fight i mean everyone saw me on tough everyone seen... You know, the way I fight, I, I come to fight. I have fun fighting like that, regardless of, of weight, of welterweight or lightweight. I like to move forward. I like to fight. Um, I'm not scared of anybody. I'm not intimidated by anybody. Um, so really, that's what I'm, I'm I'm here to do, you know, is go back to the gym and work on the things that, that I need to work on as a fighter to improve, you know. I'm here to, to become a world champion. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to say I'm here to have a few fights in the UFC and, and then chill out and, and retire. I'm here for a title, I'm here for a belt, so... The only way to do that is to, is to figure out what works for me and my system. So this isn't really about getting back into the UFC. I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to ask me that question if I want to get back in there. Sure. Um, yeah, this, this isn't really about that. You know, I'm not, I'm not worried. The UFC is not going anywhere, in my opinion. Um, I think that that organization is going to be around for a long time. So this is my opportunity to fix my problems. And would I have liked to fix them and put on these performances for the UFC? Of course. But that's not the case. So I'm gonna go out and take as many fights as I, I would like to take. Two, three, four. Um you know, whatever it takes for me to figure out my system. But I do know that that every fight that happens from here on in until I get back to the UFC is gonna be a finish. I am gonna go on record and say it. I said it before the ultimate fighter. It's mm-hmm. just that nobody wanted to listen to me because I wasn't <laughs> really anybody. Right. But, uh, I, I said it before the ultimate fighter. I said I'm gonna beat everybody. Nobody's gonna beat me in this house. Uh and I'm going to say it again, you know, regardless how many fights it takes me to get back in, I'm going to beat everyone and I'm going to finish everybody as well.
1: Why did the release from the UFC bring this Mike Ricci back? Why didn't you say, all right, Colton Smith fight didn't go my way. I'm going to finish everyone here on now. Why are you saying this now and not a year ago? I think
0: that, the, first off, the Colton Smith fight, every, not too many people know that I, I, I didn't really train for that fight. I, I tore my LCL, and I had two weeks of preparation, and, and I really went into that fight unprepared and against uh, a larger opponent. And once that fight was over... We went back to lightweight, and I think that that was the, mm. the issue of why we didn't change anything. We went back to lightweight, and we were like, well, all the things that happened at welterweight are over with now. We're in a lower weight division. Guys are smaller, They're, you know what I mean, and, and they don't hit as hard and, and whatnot. So now we get to chill, and we get to figure out what we want to do, and I took the wrong approach. Uh, and, you know, I, I can't really say that the UFC and, and, and making more money and, and starting to, to live a better lifestyle – made me less hungry i don't think that that's the case at all um, i just think it was a uh, poor management uh... you know with with training and uh... and mentality in my opinion
1: and you know you case okay, so you say all that those those are things you can't really you know touch you can't say oh, you know uh... my kicks were off my jab was off my foot movement my head movement these are bigger things than that so how do you actually change them the next time you prepare for a fight how do you actually change them at that mentality
0: Well. Here's the thing. I don't think that it was a mental issue. I didn't show up into the cage. Showed, uh, show up to the cage and and you know I'm scared. I'm nervous. Uh, I didn't. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't want to be here. The the fight is. It's too much for me to handle. The crowd. That was never the issue. You know, what happens in the cage is a direct product of training. People need to understand that. If you're gonna do jumping jacks for two months, don't expect to do a backflip when you get into the cage. You're gonna do a jumping jack. Mm right? So if I'm throwing a jab my my whole training camp and, and a low kick, that's what's going to come out. And I think that the way I prepared was like that. It was very, you know, a counter style, defensive style. Let's shut this down. Let's shut that down. And that's what happened. I shut down Fletcher. He didn't do anything. I shut down Jury. He didn't do anything. It just became a stalemate. You know, like I said, no one came in there and, and put it on me for three rounds. So Really what it comes down to is, is the physical aspect. I think that I need to get back to the things that made me successful.
1: You're a young guy. We, we've seen what, what you can do in the cage on The Ultimate Fighter. Do you think mm-hmm. it was the right move to cut you by the UFC?
0: I, I have no, no hard feelings against the UFC. We're, we're, we, we got off on a, on a good note, you know, and um, I think that... Sorry. I would have liked, obviously, for them to to not have cut me. I would have liked them to pull me aside and say, look, what's the issue? And then I tell them the issue. And uh, sorry about that. Mister chamber.
1: Chamber, you've got to get some camera time? What's going on here? Jeez. (laughs) Crashing your interview? Just nonchalantly, like we're not going to see this massive guy walking through. Unbelievable, this guy.
7: Oh, jeez.
0: Sorry about that. But, <laughs> yeah, I would have liked the UFC to have pulled me aside and, and said, you know, uh, Richie, we're not really too happy about what's going on. Can you change this or is this problem permanent and, uh, you know, given me a chance? But, I mean, Joe Silva has tough decisions to make. And, uh, and, you know what? I agree with his decision. I, I understand. And,. You know, I might not have got what I wanted out of the jury fight, you know, but I think that, uh, you know, sometimes you don't get what you want, but you get what you need, you know, and I think that this is this is what I needed. It's not what I wanted, but it's what I needed.
1: You know, I I, I must admit, when I found out that you were released from the UFC, I, it did cross my mind. I wonder if he's going to fight because, you know, when you, you were on – Again, you know, you were on uh, the show going into the finale, and you talked about not liking the show and and, and that time away that you had after your fight in Bellator and all that. And, and I was wondering, you know, maybe he'll just say enough's enough with this sport. That's not crossing your mind at all.
0: No, not at all. Uh, especially after being in there with guys, uh, you know, at the level that you know that that these guys are at. I fought on tough. I realized I have what it takes, you know, to put anybody away, regardless of their size, and then. I went down to lightweight, and I had these big fights in front of the big crowds and guys, in my opinion, who, who were really good. I had Fletcher, who had, like, nine finishes on his record, and then you had Jury, who had 11 finishes. And to be honest with you, I've been in the ring with guys who are better than me, and I don't. And no disrespect to, to Jury or, or to Fletcher, but those two guys, in my opinion, are not better than me. Like I said, the issue still remains. It's it's why didn't Mike perform, not why did Mike get beat up. So this is, for me, just... Uh, time to fix myself and improve i don't i'm not going to quit not at all i actually look forward to fighting frequently you know 2 3 times in the next 6 months uh, i look forward to improving and then to coming and then coming back you know when i'm ready to come back it'll be for good and and it'll all my problems will be fixed and i'll have my system i think that, that that's my biggest problem everybody has a system you watch training camps and uh, george's training camp guys that i've been around you know like kenny Forey and all these guys and it's consistent. they always work on the same thing, and they' they're they're focusing on what they have to do and and they have a system, and they're improving. I was always that guy that was bouncing around and different trainers every training camp, and not knowing what I wanted to do and I think you know, that was my biggest issue. so w- once I fix that, i I really don't see myself having a problem in the lightweight division at all.
1: So have any uh, promotions contacted you or your your management, Lex McMahon, any of those guys? Uh, about what's next any fights on the horizon
0: yeah they I've, I've gotten offers pretty much to fight every month from december all the way till march so i i mean as long as i stay healthy i'm looking to fight quite frequently uh once a month or once every re- uh two months so i might bounce around from promotion to promotion regardless you know considering which which fight is appealing to me who, opponent wise um financially all that stuff so um, i'll let my management handle it and then um and then we'll go from there
1: and so do you think it will be somewhat of a eh, for lack of a better word a shock like you know you go from sold out crowds in in montreal and you know a big crowd in toronto and then now you're on the local scene like well you feel like it'll be a blow to the ego having to do that or do you relish kind of having to work your way up
0: uh i think that that it's going to be fun regardless. The fights to me are just a bonus, you know. I think that like I said this really is just about me fixing my issues in the gym and my training. So that's all I'm focusing on. When it's fight time, I cut my weight, I make weight, I fight and then I go back to the gym and I continue to fix my problems. So for me I look at the fights like a bonus. You know, it's kind of like when I was on Tough, I was fighting very frequently. Um I was just training and improving and then when it came to fight day, I fought so that's how the, the approach I'm going to take it. It doesn't matter the cage. It doesn't matter what kind of gloves we have on. It doesn't matter who's in the crowd. If it's televised, if it's not televised, um, I really don't don't care. But I do know one thing that I, that I learned from from the Ultimate Fighter is that when you get into fights and you put people away, you know you start to move forward in this sport very quickly. This is a performance based sport. I can go twenty and zero, Ariel, in the next year. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter if they're all decisions. It, it doesn't make a difference. So, like I said. The next three or four opponents that I fight are all going to get put away. Nobody is going to last 15 minutes. In the In the next six months, seven months of my fight career, anybody that steps in front of me is getting put away.
1: That's a lot of pressure to put on
0: yourself. I don't feel pressure at all. I mean, I possess the skill to do so. I, in, Like I said, I've laced up UFC gloves seven times in the last year. Um, and I've either put the guys away or... or were extremely close to doing it minus my, my lightweight fights. So I know I possess those skills really just, it just, it's up to me to, to sharpen them and to make sure that when, when it comes to fight night, I execute. That's all it really comes down to is execution. You know,
1: uh, you mentioned December. It sounds like December or so could be your, your next fight. Any talk of opponent?
0: I mean, they've been throwing a few guys, you know, around and then I can't really speak on it, but, um, I mean, I'm sure it'll it'll be out there. It'll be on Twitter and on on the internet and all of that stuff. That's give social us a media hand. Give us a that hand. you
1: love. <laughs> I do love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I give you a hand?
1: Yeah. What well, do you I,
0: got? I, I heard one name. Oh, one yeah? Name that 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 came up, and it's uh, you know, there's a pioneer in this sport, a guy who who's won titles in multiple divisions, and uh, his son potentially might be uh might be fighting with me. So his son. That's one. That's one name that I heard.
1: Oh does it uh does it rhyme with brian Valor? <laughs>
0: <laughs> brian Valor. uh possibly yeah so so i heard his name and
1: uh, oh, i like that i, I like that fight
0: I, I heard i heard i heard ryan Couture's name and i i don't um i don't really object to any any fight with anyone um if he wants if he wants to fight then then sure enough we'll we'll fight i think that's uh has a great fight that the fans would want to see oh yeah, uh, if, ryan's, yeah if, if ryan's down then I'm, I'm down you know we can we can mix it up um and uh we'll see we'll take it from there you know and uh the next time i'm on your show definitely uh we'll, we'll be talking about how i'm back in the ufc and uh all these lovely finishes that i got
1: all right i will hold you to that we're going to save this clip about all your finishes and then we're going to play it for you when you make your return to the ufc how about that
0: Perfect. Like I said, I predicted it before I, I went on tough. And um, the only thing is, is that Ariel wouldn't wouldn't have me on I'll the show stop to hear. It, before stop. I got on
1: tough. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. You, you you weren't even on Twitter back then, so I had no way to communicate with you. Of course, I could have went through Jonathan Chamber, who probably would have uh, crashed that interview as well. But now <laughs> there's a lot more juicy stuff to talk about. So uh, I'm happy to hear and see that you're in good spirits. I, I, I like this. This. Uh, thing that you're putting on the record all the finishes we'll be watching we'll be monitoring it we'll we'll save this clip and then we'll play it for you when you return good luck my man and we'll talk to you very soon all right i'll take care man there he is mike ricci stopping by and uh, we wish him the best of luck as he works his way back to the ufc says right now doesn't even care about ufc no ufc just needs to get back to that that guy who was finishing fights on the ultimate fighter like i said got the knockout of the season award for that season of the ultimate fighter season 16. And we didn't see that from him as he was trying to make a name for himself in the UFC, had the loss to Colton Smith beat Fletcher uh, and then just lost to miles Jerry. But all of those fights decisions and not the fights that we were seeing out of him on the ultimate fighter. So I look forward to seeing what he can do outside the UFC and that fight against Ryan Couture, I mean, that's a fight that could have happened in the UFC. That's a fight that makes a lot of sense where they're at right now in their career. So any promotion that 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 makes that happen, I like that fight. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. In a minute, we are going to be joined by Edson Barbosa. Very interesting. Edson Barbosa is fighting Danny Castillo at... UFC on Fox number nine. They had the press conference for the, the, the main card in Sacramento last week. And that is a great card. And the undercard is great. Edson's fighting on it. They uh, announced last week or actually uh, last night, uh, Pat Healy versus Jamie Varner. It's a tremendous card. One of the best cards of the year. Looking forward to it very much. The UFC returning to Sacramento. Let us go to the Skype machine once again. And there he is. Edson Barbosa. Edson, how are you?
8: Very good. How are you, man?
1: I'm doing great. You know, I was watching an interview that we did together around a year ago, and you couldn't speak English at all. Now your English is great. Where did you learn to speak English like this? And
8: I'm a little shy, but my wife helped me a lot. I'm a little lazy for learning, but I try. I try.
1: Well, you're doing great, and I also found out your wife is your PR agent. She's the one that contacted me. That's unbelievable.
8: Yes, man. She's worked a lot, helped me a lot. That's uh, my, my big partner.
1: Your wife... <laughs> is that your wife right there? No, that's not your wife. That's your dog, right? <laughs>
8: yeah, my dog is crazy.
1: <laughs> your wife used to actually be an MMA journalist, right?
8: Yes, exactly. She's a journalist in Brazil. She, I... She's worked for the, the, the biggest magazine in Brazil, Tatami. She's working in... Help for some magazines, you know. She's very good. How did you meet her? Uh, long time ago, man. Nine years ago. Uh, she's trained Muay Thai. Start training Muay Thai in my gym. And she's training. I look her a couple times, you know. Just <laughs> nine years.
1: <laughs> wow. And and so it wasn't like an interview that she was doing with you. You were just in the gym training together.
8: Yes, yes, she's love, man. She's very good, very good Muay Thai.
1: Really? She is.
8: Yes, she's very good. But she's asking me sometimes for for fighting. You say no, just me, not you. <laughs> so, th-
1: th- has she ever considered doing MMA?
8: No, no MMA, just Muay Thai because she she don't like it, Jiu-Jitsu. You know, okay. she don't like the ground game. She she's like just punching punch his face, you
1: know? <laughs> now that, you know, we, we, all, we all know that you started um, in Muay Thai and transitioned over to MMA, which do you prefer yeah. more? Like, if, if if there was a UFC uh, of Muay Thai where you can make a lot of money and, you know, fame, popularity, all that stuff, would you prefer doing Muay Thai over MMA? Or do you like MMA now more than Muay Thai? Man,
8: yeah, that, that's a hard question, you know? Uh, I started training Muay Thai at eight years old. I trained Muay Thai my whole life you know but now it's mma it's up you know that's a new love for me i started training mma four years you know
4: Mm.
8: it's very very new for me but i love i love both i love both but muay thai i think in my blood you know i think uh i don't know but
1: i love both who got you into it at eight years old
8: my daddy my daddy because I'm young, I'm very active young, you know, I'd never stop. Uh, my daddy say, man, you need work something, you know, some soccer, some sport. Uh, thank God my daddy put me in in Muay Thai. Uh, thank God I'm here today.
1: When he did that, I mean, now speaking to him maybe uh, after the fact when you became older, did he know that you might become a fighter and is he okay with that? Like, is he's the one that got you into it, but now you're getting, you know, punched in the face for a living. Is he okay with that?
8: Yes. Yes. Because I think, I mean, I don't have a, a lot of options, you know, in Brazil. Mm. And I think my first professional fight, I'm six year, six, 16 years old. The guys paid me for this, you know, but I, my daddy said, man, that's what you want. I said, yes, for sure. He said, Keep going, man. He don't worry. he love man. My loves to watch my fights. Give me the big sport. But my mom hates my mom <laughs> don't like never watch.
1: Never, never. 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 So what how does she find was well, she just asks your dad what happened and that's it?
8: Yes, that's it. She just ask him. uh, oh, Junior Edson, it's okay. She said, Yeah, it's everything's fine. She's fine. But never, never watch one fight. What will she even go ahead my first muay thai fight i'm eight years old she don't watch even at
1: when you were eight years old really
8: yes yeah, eight years old and just gloves no shin pads no headgear, oh just gloves
1: uh, and was she mad at your dad for getting you into this if she's so against it
8: in the beginning yes she don't
1: like but <laughs>
8: right now it's conform you know
1: <laughs> well so like let's say like the terry Edom fight like she knows after the fact that it's a great knockout you won no problems will she watch that after the fact or not even no wow she's
8: like never because i think she think uh Jones not the guy out but i think she think the guy knocked me out too you know
1: <laughs> she don't understand very well <laughs> Uh, you had very uh, humble beginnings growing up, right? Is, is it true that when you were born, you uh, first slept in a shoebox? Is that true?
8: Exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Man, a, my mom's very, very problem. and uh, the pregnancy, uh, can
4: see?
8: I was born like a seven, 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 six, seven months, you oh, know? Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of problem, but thank God I'm
1: here today. <laughs> Was there a chance that you wouldn't survive because you were so premature?
8: Yeah, it's, the doctor said for my daddy, say man. Your boy is going to die for sure. Really? Daddy is crazy yes yeah, that's crazy, man.
1: What did they why did they say that you were going to die because you were so premature?
8: Yeah, and I'm very Very small. I think I'm this small. Wow. I don't have picture I'm young because I'm very small. I I think I stay in the hospital for three or four months. Really? Yes.
1: And did you have, uh, like, how long did it take for you to, you know, kind of become a normal baby? Like, you know, obviously you're premature, so you were in the hospital for a long time. But did did you suffer from anything as a young kid because you, you you know, you, you, you came out so early?
8: Yeah, I think I stayed in the hospital for a couple months, you know, mm-hmm. three or four months. I think three or four or five months, I, I'm normal. No normal, but very small, but yeah. better, baby, you know?
1: So that's why your mother loves you so much. She has such a connection. She doesn't want anyone to I, touch you.
8: I think so. <laughs>
1: you know, I, I mentioned the Terry Adam fight. That was like your big, uh, your big highlight in the UFC, one of the greatest kicks of all time. How many times have you seen it?
8: Man, sure. I don't want many, many times, you know, because uh, my focus every time in in my next fight, you know. Mm. If the kick is very nice, I love. Everybody like, but my focus every time in my next fight, you know. So your fights. It's done. The kick's done. Everything's done, you know? Now, my focus every time in, in my next opponent, my next fight.
1: So your next fight is against uh, Danny Castillo. It's going to be, you know, on his home turf in Sacramento. He's a wrestler, tough wrestler. Do you like this matchup?
8: I love, man. I love, bro. I think that's perfect fight. Perfect Why? time. And I'm ready for this.
1: Why is it perfect?
8: Because... Man, thank God, I'm a hundred percent. I'm a hundred. I'm healthy, no injury. Uh, Danny Casillas, you said, is a tough guy. It's good wrestling. I think yeah, uh, that's good fight for proof for everybody. My ground game, my prove my my wrestling game, you know. And it, I think he's fighting his hometown. That's that's very good, man. I love to fight everybody. Boo! <laughs> I love his. I, no, that's. Makes me excited, you know? I, I love it. Everything's perfect.
1: Do you think it's uh, a certainty that he's going to try to take you down and wrestle you and hold you down because your striking is so good?
8: Man, that's an MMA fight, you know? Never know. Never know. I- I'm ready for, you know, he's try to take me down. I'm ready for this. Or, I don't know, maybe surprise everybody take him down, you know? It's oh. an MMA fight. I'm ready for you know for jiu-jitsu, I'm ready for wrestling, I'm ready for striking, I'm ready for everything.
1: How comfortable do you feel now on the ground at this point in your career?
8: Man, I'm, I'm very comfortable. It's hard for said, set, you know? Everybody asks me about my ground game. Uh, the guys take me down in my next fight, you guys going to see it, my <laughs> ground game. Very comfortable, man.
1: And who are you training with now?
8: I'm here in New Jersey training with uh, Ricardo Almeida, Hansel Gracie, Cachorron.
1: Mm-hmm.
8: Uh, this guy helped me a lot, man. He's very good coach. He has very experience in the cage, you know, in MMA. Uh, but, man, I, I'm, I'm very happy here.
1: So you like it better than Brazil? Brazil is a very beautiful place. New Jersey, not known very much for its beauty.
8: That's different, you know. <laughs> I'm very happy here in New Jersey, you know. But the problem is the weather here man, I don't like it. it's too cold.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you how do you fare in the winter? How do you like the winter?
8: Uh man, the winter for me it's so hard, man. <laughs> Everything's hard, you know. For week up it's hard, for training it's hard. Yeah. But thank God I'm fighting in December. December not too bad. I hope it finish the fight and go to Florida for a couple couple of days, you know?
1: So, you, you mentioned you always look ahead, but I want to ask you about the, your only loss. That was to Jamie Varner. Uh, you know, what did you, what was the biggest thing that you learned from that loss? Because it was a very big shock for everyone. No one expected it to happen. Um, when, when you think about it, when you look back on the fight, what do you think? What's the big lesson you learned?
8: Man, I'm learning a lot, bro. Because everybody, every time said, ah, oh, you lose, you, you know, you step back in your career. For this fight, I lose. I give true step in, you know?
4: Mm.
8: Uh because because I I won I won my my couple fights and you know, all 10 win. For me everything is good, you know. My train is good, my training partner is good. Everything is perfect. But I lose the fight. I watch to say man, that's not good bro. That's not I need change something. I need change. I need change because I need more training partners. I need learn every day. I need you know and Thank God, man! I think the times are right for, for his, for my lose for Warner, and it's changed my life, bro. Now I'm sure man. I'm I'm better fight, much better fighter, much better man. I, I stepped in, you know. I learned every day here. That's a different.
1: What did you change? I change everything. Everything. Wow. I,
8: yeah, my I I before I live in Florida. Now I live more here in New Jersey with Ricard. I train with Ricardo Almeida. I train with Frank Edgar, Mark Henry, Hansel Grayson. Training elite wrestling, you know. I change everything. Change my 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 whole camp. I change my team. Now I represent Ricardo Almeida. I change everything.
1: And do you remember that feeling? And is that a feeling that you think about? You know, since then you're two and zero. Oh, that you don't want to feel that feeling again. Like, do you use that as motivation, as a drive for you as you prepare for your your next fight?
8: For sure, man. For sure. Now, because that's a little different because now I I know, man, I work very well, you know? I work perfect, you know? I watched a couple of fighters ago. I don't work like that right Mm. now, you know? And I try every day better, you know, right here. I, I learn every day. I think that's more important. I need my body, my man. They need to learn every day in jiu-jitsu, in boxing, in wrestling. and Right here in New Jersey, I learn every day, man. That's very important for me.
1: I, I had heard that they were talking about some big fights for, you know, maybe Josh Thompson before he was supposed to fight Pettis. Uh, I heard Hobby Love's name come up. How serious were, were these talks, and were you disappointed that you didn't get maybe a bigger name than Danny Castillo next?
8: Man, then Garcia is a big name, man. Okay. I think, uh, but, man, I think th- I'm very excited for fight. Don't worry about m- my opponent, you know. I, I, I talk to my man. They say, man, please, I need to fight. Doesn't matter, <laughs> my opponent. I need to fight because thank God, I'm hundred percent, no injuries. I'm hundred percent healthy. I need to fight more soon as possible, and. Daniel Castillo is a good fighter. I think it's a good match, you know? I know it's a point because he he is good.
1: We had Anthony Pettis, the lightweight champion, on the show last week, and he he was saying, man, you know, right now it doesn't feel like there are a lot of big contenders at 155. There's Josh Thompson who he's fighting, you know, maybe TJ Grant, but there's not a lot of people. I think a fight at some point between you and Anthony, based on what you can do on, on the feet, would be spectacular. How far away do you think you are from maybe being in the title talk?
8: Man, I'm feeling serious. I'm not far away, man. Because, man, right now I look at the division. You know, I don't look many guys like a very close and very good close to the title. You know what I mean? But I think I'm close, man. I don't know why, but I feeling something. I feel, man. I'm feeling I'm, I'm very close for the title shot. I don't know why, but I feel.
1: So what? Like two wins, three wins? What are you thinking?
8: I don't know, man. Maybe two wins, three wins. Three, three wins. I don't know, man. But I feel I'm close, man. Every time I step in.
1: You like the idea of that fight, you versus Pettis? Do you agree that it would be an amazing fight?
8: Of course, man. Of <laughs> course. That's a... Uh... I think it's fights good fight. It's good for, for every, if guys like like good strikes and all. That's a good match. But let's say my focus in my next fight in Castillo, but me and it's a good fight
1: for sure. <laughs> Edson, it was great having you on the show. Thank you so much for stopping by, and thank you to your lovely wife for setting it up. I think I heard her in the background, but you didn't need her. You did a great job with the English.
8: <laughs> yeah, she's helped me a lot, but... I try. I am really try, but sorry my English, but
1: no. I try,
8: especially for talk to my fans. Thank you, guys. Thank you for all support. And the next time, my English is much better, for sure.
1: It keeps improving. I'll say to you, obrigado. Thank you very much.
8: Thank we'll, you, guys. We'll
1: see you in December in Sacramento.
8: Yes, thank you. There all he right, is. Hi.
1: Edson Barbosa, one of the most exciting fighters in the UFC today. I am sure you have seen his... Uh, Unbelievable. One of the greatest knockouts in UFC history when he uh, knocked out Terry Edom at UFC 142. And the man since that loss to Jamie Varner has won his last two in a row via very impressive fashion. Of course, remember Rafael Oliveira at UFC 162, those leg kicks. Reminiscent of his first UFC win against Mike Lulo at UFC 123. Just chopping down that tree with unbelievable kicks to the leg. And uh, Rafael Oliveira, we have some great pictures from, from Esther, our, our photographer. Rafael Oliveira just could not stand anymore. He was game, wanted to continue, but you can see that he had nothing in him anymore. And uh, uh, just one of the, one of the great, uh, as you mentioned, Muay Thai specialists in the UFC. And uh, now 2-0 and and fighting Danny Castillo at UFC on Fox Night. A fantastic card. Fantastic card. That is a great card. That's not even on the main card. very tough test for him, wrestler versus striker. And, uh, you know, we know what Castillo does and how gritty and tough he is coming out of that team alpha male camp. And I think if he can get by Castillo, then he will... I think we should start talking about him fighting, you know, a top eight guy, a top nine guy. Barbosa versus Pettis. Now that Pettis is the champion, Barbosa versus Pettis would just be a fantastic fight, in my opinion. Not quite there yet. Still has to work his way back up from the uh, Varner loss, which was last July, not this past July, the the one before in 2012. But I think he's pretty close. I'm just looking at what the other ones. The Pett- obviously, we know about Pettis, Thompson, Faber, McDonald, Condit, Brown, Mendez, Lentz, Jorgensen, McCall at 125. lozon Danzig, Castillo, Barbosa, Gaslam versus McGee. John Moraga returns against Ui Onama. Abel Trujillo against uh, Roger Bowling. That rematch, grade one. Cody McKenzie-Samstaff. That is an amazing card. December 14th at the Sleep Train Arena, formerly known as the Arco Arena. And again, I'm going with the Arco in Sacramento. Looking forward to that. All right, let's move along. Like I said, uh, UFC returns this Wednesday in Brazil. Main event, Jake Shields, Damian Maia, and interesting guests coming up next. He is the president of Paradigm Sports Management, which I was saying to people recently, in my opinion, just blowing up as far as management is concerned in MMA and just really gathering an impressive uh, roster of clients some very big names in the world of mixed martial arts obviously michael bisping matt matreon jake shields conor mcgregor an impressive client roster and the man behind it all is our next guest he is adi atar and he joins us from brazil right now there he is adi how are you hey
7: i'm doing well ariel how are you thanks for having me on
1: it is a pleasure where are you right now
7: Actually, uh, the Wi-Fi at our hotel went down, so oh. I kind of walked down the street to a, a little mall and found a, an internet internet cafe. So I'm sitting here wearing some headphones, looking like you. Um, <laughs> I was initially planning to do the interview from my room. Well, you know what? That is why you are a crafty, smart manager.
1: You, you think on your feet <laughs> and you find a a internet cafe. Are you in Sao Paulo right now?
7: Yeah, it's actually. Alphaville, uh Baruari, which is uh, outside of Sao Paulo. It's about thirty miles I believe, uh, from Sao Paulo airport. So took about an hour with all the traffic, Monday morning traffic, you know. Oh gosh. So I just got I just got in this morning actually, so
1: well, we appreciate you stopping by. Looking forward to this. Um, obviously, as I mentioned, Absolutely. Jake Shields, one of your clients, he's fighting in the main event. For a manager, especially over there in Brazil, what are your duties? We're two days away from the fight. What What are you doing there when your fighter is about to fight in the main event? What What is What is um, expected of you?
7: Well, I, there's several different things. First and foremost, you know, obviously, getting in here, checking in, meeting with the client, making sure everything's okay, um, bringing all his gear. You know, everything that he fights in from his walkout. T-shirt, his hat, his his shorts, his banner. Um, Then you have obviously some some logistical things. Today was an open workout, Uh, so you know everybody was over there, and there's just a lot of press that has to be done. And then you know a couple meetings in between with whether it be UFC officials, media. Uh, sponsors or, or you know industry heads if you will yeah, so you're constantly just kind of moving and shaking and then you have some other things um day before weigh in, day before ends to handle then the day of weigh ins to handle then come fight night it's uh it's about you know going out there and and supporting your guys and and uh, hoping they come out victorious and and at the very least come out injury free
1: mentioned the sponsors it's it's become a hot topic in the world of mixed martial arts cole miller saying that You know, can hardly make any money as opposed to what he was making a few years back. From your perspective, with the the names that you have, some very big names in our sport, you know, what's the market right now? Is it true that, you know, sponsors just aren't paying what they were a couple of years ago?
7: I think you got to look at it two ways. You, You obviously have the endemic market, which is, you know, the MMA brands, if you will, that are constant players, are constantly activating on fighters on each card throughout the entire year. And then you have brands that are now starting to dip their toe into the sport because they realize the level of exposure that the sport can bring. So, um, you know, I, I think all around you, you see it's it's flat for the most part, but you are starting to see more and more new, new brands enter the space um, to, to test it out. Just because, you know, one, live sporting events are, are the most attractive for any advertiser and two, from an MMA standpoint, you know, there's more to do with an athlete because his uniform, you become part of his uniform. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the traditional sports, you you can't necessarily be on a football player's uh, football player's um, uh, jersey or helmet, if you will. So, you know, all in all, I think you know the the, the market looks to be growing. The market looks healthy. Um, you know, people, it's instant gratification, right? Everybody wants an an immediate spike in in growth, but. I think any good growth comes constant and, and, and slow. So um, one of those things I see that this sports, it's not going anywhere. And so when we look at it, you know, from a, from a long-term perspective, I see it very healthy and, and a huge upside. Is this one of those
1: things where you have to start getting creative, like, the you know, the, the, the old dogs that were maybe there a few years ago? For whatever reason, might not be as eager to pay. So now you have to start thinking about you know the 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 growth of the sport, people who might not who might be interested in it but aren't yet a part of the sport. You have to really start to be a little more creative than you were a couple of years ago.
7: Uh, I think you, you you always have to be a inov- creative. I think innovation is key, but at the same time, it's 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 you know um, you know creating a strategy whereby you're you're approaching not only the endemic market and the normal players, but then trying to go after those new players as well. So I don't think you could give one up and while going after the other. It really needs to be you need to work your tail off and, and get after it and, and make sure that it's, it's a it's a uh, efficient strategy.
1: Someone like Jake Shields for this fight, Fox Sports One main card, sponsor wise, how much is he making?
7: Uh Obviously I can't disclose that with you from a legal standpoint just oh. because I have a fiduciary obligation to my client, but he could share that with you okay and he's free to do that, but uh, put it this way for this fight it's a little down just because the Wednesday card and particularly with the endemic market, you know the first Wednesday card from a you know viewership standpoint wasn't as high as a Saturday card, hmm. so because of that and because it's still new, I think people are still testing the market and so um, he did well. I mean, for from a sponsorship standpoint, he's definitely making you know uh, main event-esque range, and we we usually give it a range depending on what medium the fight's broadcast on, whether it's pay per view, whether it's Fox, whether it's Fox Sports One, uh, you know, and and whether it's even you know uh, Manchester will be on Fox Sports Two, right. which is a new uh, new new thing to test out as well because that's complete something that that the UFC hasn't done. They went from FX to fuel and fuel to. Now, Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2. So we're kind of going to uncharted waters, and you know, some of it is, is trying to lay a foundation and a baseline valuation no matter how the car does. So you could build upon that if it grows and, and you see a strong, strong uh, uh, turnout in, in fans tuning in. You mentioned football. In a uh,
1: previous life, you were a football player. Uh, yeah, and it, my Al Bundy life. Exactly.
7: By the way, did you play football with Ben Folk's? I did play football with Ben Folks. Wow! Yes. Ben was my high school teammate. His nickname, and I and I have said this on Twitter and just jokingly, but his nickname was Crazy Legs Folks. Whoa! What does that mean? What did that come <laughs> yeah, from? He just he just, he did just running all the way. At his feet, he just had like a fast <laughs> turnover with yeah. we running, and so we just called him Crazy Legs. I don't know. I don't know how it came about to be honest. with You we know we were in high school, but uh, Ben was a hell of a player. He was an you know aggressive. Stop! Okay, now, back, you're, you know, now you're now you're now you're actually I'm lying. I'm telling you. Now you're I'm actually telling lying. you, man. I'm telling you, Ben. Ben would come up and hit you, man. He'd come up and hit you. And Ben was training jiu-jitsu back then, when nobody really knew about it. You know what I mean? At least in America, I should say. Right. Right. It wasn't as as popular uh, from a mainstream sports standpoint. But yeah, Ben. Ben was uh, into the UFC, and and uh, yeah. So he's he's a good person, and and uh, and he's a great writer now. I'm really really proud of him, and, and to the man that he's become. So was he the one that got you into MMA way back then? No, you know, I mean, I, I think just because growing up in Southern California, it's also part of our culture mm. from uh, you know, in our generation, right? Yeah. From a sporting culture. I think um, you know, friends watching it, then we had I had friends competing in it, you know, and then when I was, you know, playing college ball, you know, I had, knew some some of the guys in the UFC and we were buddies and ran in the same circles and so it kind of grew on me like that and then you know, obviously I started my, my career as an agent you know, on the NFL side of things. And, and then once I started my own firm uh, back in 2009, it initially started out as just football, but we quickly got into other sports. And I just saw MMA as, as not only something that I was you know, interested in from a fan perspective, but from a business standpoint, just something that has huge upside uh, in the long term. And I'm very interested by that because,
1: you know, most of the guys that you see these days in MMA, they just kind of stick to MMA. We're starting to slowly see some other guys come from other sports. But back in 2009, that wasn't really the case. How did you view MMA at that point? And particularly the way MMA fighters were being managed coming from the NFL. Did you think to yourself like, wow, you know, these guys are missing out on this and that. They're not being managed properly. They're not being taken care of. Like, What was your view on it that made you want to actually get into it?
7: I, I, the way I look at life, the way I approach life, I, I don't ever try to be you know, negative or critical on someone else's doing. I, I, I look at an opportunity. I look at something where I see, hey, it's not satur- a saturated market, and I'm confident in what I could do. So I, I looked at it as an opportunity where I could come in and succeed at a high level. Knowing what I could do and what and, and the processes that we've been able to build and and I know that you know um, you know earlier you know you mentioned that I'm the man behind the scenes but I truly really have a great team behind me you know I've I always say I draft well because it's <laughs> it's important to pick a, a good team that subscribes to the same thought process same practices and and you know the same goals and and you cohesively move forward together and so. Um, yeah, that, that's that's how I looked at it. I didn't. I wasn't necessarily critical on on you know other managers in the market. I just knew what I could do, and I'm just a confident person.
1: How close were you to making the NFL? Did you have any kind of shot?
7: Uh, you know what? I, I was more of a undrafted free agent type prospect. Unfortunately, I I pulled my hamstring on my pro day. Oh. I could have pursued my my career up up in Canada, up in your neck of the woods. Yeah. but you know, decided to take a job. I took a job with a sports agency. My right out of college and and i just I haven't looked back now i can't lie to you but my competitive juices once in a while i kick myself in the butt because you see a guy here and there that you, know, you played against or whatnot and you know as a competitor you say well, shoot I should, I should i should be doing that <laughs> but at the end of the day i no regrets you know have started a great career went back and got graduate de- two graduate degrees and and you know now i have a great family so the, the fact that i get to wake up and do this every day i pinch myself sometimes because i'm very fortunate i don't take it for granted what position did you play in college? I played safety and uh, linebacker. Wow! So strong safety and then then a weak side linebacker.
1: When you were in college, I'm sure you were thinking, okay, you know, maybe try to get into the NFL. Was this something in the back of your mind to be an agent? Were you thinking about this? Was this a
7: possibility for you? fun well, it's funny. Uh, you know, one of my current colleagues uh, who works with me, he was also a teammate of mine. You know, and we were the same recruiting class out of high school, and you know, we had the number one recruiting class at UCLA, and and um, I, I was credited. I shouldn't have been because it was really a team effort. But I was credited, and that you know, they wrote a bunch of articles, LA Times or whatnot, that I that I was the key to that recruiting class because I essentially recruited everybody to come over. Wow. Um, so so at that time, people were always telling me, "You're going to be an agent. You're going to be an agent." And it started getting in the back of your mind. And and I really believe, you know, it's it's uh, success is bred by not only proximity proximity, but by the people you keep and the things that you hear. And so. At the end of the day, when you hear something, you hear something, you hear something so many times, you start to believe it. And so, and if you believe it, then I think you'll go after it. And if you work for it, then it could come true. So um, that's kind of how it all went down. I, 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 I always wanted to play, ball more than anything, as any athlete wants to just do. They want to compete in the sport that that they're that they're progressing in uh, through the channels from when they were a kid up to the professional or, or collegiate ranks. Um, so, but, but at the end of the day, you know, once I decided to embark on this journey, I, 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 I went in wholeheartedly and I wasn't going to take no for an answer. And no matter what adversity I was going to face, I knew I was going to overcome it and, and be successful. But, uh, I know that we're on our way, we're, we're doing great things, but we have a long way to go. And I'm just really excited about the future.
1: That's a, a perfect segue for what was going to be my next question, because I wanted to know, like, you know, I, I was saying this to someone literally maybe like, six months ago maybe five months ago saying wow paradigm has really in a short amount of time gathered an impressive group of fighters from bisping uh it's like i said shields mitrion you got conor mcgregor who i would imagine all the agents wanted to you know snatch him up he was so popular he is so popular he's so charismatic how did you do this in a short amount of time how did you get those guys to believe and trust in you
7: well, it's funny. I, you know, people always see someone that succeeds—not only myself, but I mean anybody—and they say, "Well, overnight success." Well, there was a lot of, a lot of hours, a lot of nights, a lot of hard work that that went into it prior to to getting to this point. And um, it was really just a matter of us working hard, doing what we say, saying what we do, following through. I mean, we're not perfect; we still make mistakes. And I think the, the, there's a level of trust and respect from from all of our clients where they see that we really have their best interests at heart and and we're going to work as hard as they do. I mean, that's the bottom line. So I think that uh, at the end of the day, you know, an agent and a manager, I mean, which are interchangeable words really depending on the industry that that, that you're in, but it's not only someone that, you know, negotiates contracts, public relations, marketing, but someone that really adds not only substantive value to their athletic career, but helps them grow as uh, men and women, right? Because this ends at one point for everybody, you know? I I always talk, I laugh about my Al Bundy days, but that ended, you know, and and I had to move on to the next phase of my life, so, um, you know, that's one of the things I feel that we've done a good job on, you know, and I credit my team for doing a great job, and It's really an honor to work with these guys. I I like what I do. I consider these guys my friends. I do because I care about each and every one of them uh, and their well-being, and and I'm just sincere about what I do. What's the story behind uh,
1: the the Conor McGregor photo that got on TMZ? I know you were with him that night with Willie Rofe because there were pictures of you guys together. I don't know if you were with him after the fact, but uh, it seemed like he had quite the wild night with the NFL Hall of Famer.
7: Uh, I, I was getting emails all over the uh, place uh, and, and giving me a heads up on that. Yeah, he had a good time. Look, Kat, you know, Connor's away from home. He's been away from home since you know before the Boston card. He had to go to Canada, then Vegas, just to do some some visa stuff because of the Boston bombings. And then went back home for maybe like a week or two. And then came back for the fight, and has been here ever since. He hasn't been back home. Was getting a little cabin fever. You know, not feeling too well. So we all went out to dinner as a team. And uh, you know w- Willie's uh, is a former client, and I, I was fortunate enough to, to I worked for the agency that represented him uh, throughout his entire career. And so uh, you know we went out to dinner, and then you know they had a good time. I mean he's a 25 year old, you know, young man. and I think that uh, obviously by him feeling so confident to tweet it. There's no harm, no foul. But at the end of the day, uh, <laughs> as a manager, I can assure you I have my my words with him. And, and um, but he's a grown man. You know, I, I think um, at the end of the year, he'll learn from certain certain actions and, and move on. So right now,
1: how much of your time is devoted to MMA? Because, uh, you know, I see you all over the place. There's a lot of traveling involved. And then you look at your website. You still have baseball players, football players. You still rep Russell Martin, right, who's in the midst of a great playoff run right now.
7: Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, fortunate enough, I have a, a great partner who, uh, our managing director of baseball, is Matt Collarin, who runs all baseball. So I'm more just a fan on that. You know, I. Uh, and him and I obviously have, uh, you know, executive meetings on, on the direction of the company and things of that nature. But um, he runs our div- the baseball division uh, and Russell's doing great. I mean, I think he's up for MVP right now. Just what a great story for the Pirates and what they're doing right now. Um, and then football, it is busy for us right now. You know, we didn't, we, we took, we kind of scaled back from football a little bit last year just because MMA was picking up so quickly and, you know, we had, just gotten into the space a couple of years ago, so I had to really increase capacity, so we brought on some more people full-time, and we're really up to speed, and we're, we're, we're recruiting pretty heavily this year, so we'll see how this, this shakes up for this upcoming draft, we're excited about it, we're excited about the prospects, I'm talking to some great young men, great football players, um, but I am busy, I mean, I'm going, I just was, you know, on the road for football, I get back on Thursday, uh, and then I'm on the road to Houston, then I'm back, then I'm in Dublin for one night, then Manchester, then I'm back, then I'm in Virginia, then I'm in Colorado. So, these next couple of months are definitely a lot of travel for me. But again, I I wouldn't change it for the world, and it don't matter where I'm at. We're a global world now. I work nonstop. I could be in Brazil, in China, and Manchester, and I'm still working just as hard as I would be in Irvine.
1: Yeah, you're doing you know this interview from. Uh internet cafe in in brazil your yeah. website is paradigm com, and you can see all your clients on the website i want to ask you about three fighters and uh and then we'll let you go in a second here um what is the latest on uh, matt mitrion will he get another shot in the ufc uh
7: i believe so i don't i don't believe um uh... You know, you never know. I can't. I can't tell you for sure. For sure, um, but I do believe he's gonna get another shot. I mean, I, I, I mean, he's coming off one loss, not two losses. I know he had the suspension, but he still had that 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 win, sure. obviously, uh, uh, prior to the Brendan Schaub fight. Um, but uh, yeah, he's excited. He's ready to go. I, I tell you what. You know, he hats off to Brendan. He won that fight fair and square. Um, you know, Matt. Matt's still sick to his stomach to today. I mean, he he's ready to get back in there and redeem himself. And, you know, he feels that, uh, you know, he really let a lot of people down. But, you know, I always told him, you know, you didn't let nobody down. You, you Do this for you and your family. Don't, don't worry about what anybody else thinks, you know. But that's how a lot of these guys are, which is a testament to their character because they care about everybody that puts the time to work with them, which is, I think, amazing. Um,
1: Michael Bisping, there were some reports late last week that he had to have emergency surgery. You told me, I tweeted it, that that is not the case, but he did have to go to the hospital. What's the latest on Michael and how he's feeling?
7: Oh, uh, Good spirits. Spoke to him right before I took off. I mean, he, he's one of those guys that's just determined to uh, you know, beat this, get back. And, and get back into the octagon hopefully in, in six months. Um, was feeling a little pain, you know. You know, he just one of those things where the detached retina is no joke. I mean, the sad thing about it is, is, is that everybody, you know, there's some mean people on Twitter. Yeah. I can't tell you that much. Yeah. But you know, talking about how he deserves this for the Alan Belcher uh. poke, but I mean, he he was poked earlier in the fight. Alan poked him earlier in the fight, you know, I mean, and it happens in this sport. Unfortunately, my other client, Jessica Aguilar, just beat um, Magumi with an eye poke, you know, and and, and it's just one of those unfortunate things with the gloves being the way they are. And it it just happens, you know, and I don't think any fighter maliciously tries to do that. I mean, that's, that's, I, I I wholeheartedly believe that, and it, not at this level, you know, yeah, and so um, but he'll be back. I mean, he feels good. He, he's, I think this is good for him. He just needs to slow down, and you know for him, he's a doer. He has to realize that you know he, even a, a light run, he can't do anything right now for a couple months, and once you know I think three months comes around, they'll give him the green light to kind of get going, and, and hopefully by then he's all good to go. And then you mentioned, Jessica, I wanted to ask you about her because she's no longer
1: in Bellator, considered one of the best fighters in the world, but doesn't fight in that 135-pound division that the UFC has. So how can she make a living now in MMA? Where is she going to fight?
7: Well, uh, we're in talks with a couple of promotions. I mean, obviously, you, you see Invicta has done a great job for, for women's MMA, yep. and, and they're definitely someone we're, we're, we've been in discussions with. Um, I think they've done a, you know, a phenomenal job with that promotion. And, uh, you know, I think she was definitely going to land. She's the, you know, number one ranked 115 in the world. She's she's, a, she's very marketable. She speaks Spanish. She speaks Portuguese. You know, she's an activist for the gay and lesbian, um, uh, you know, uh, community. And, and I think that she's just a good person. So I, I'm pretty confident she's going to land somewhere. Hopefully we'll have an announcement soon. Really enjoyed this, Adi. Thank you so much for, for stopping by, especially
1: Pleasure. coming off yes. the plane. and. The internet issues over there. I wish you guys the best of luck on Wednesday with Jake. Best of Absolutely. luck with all your clients. And uh, again, thanks a lot. I, I really I really thought this was great and enjoyed talking to you and getting a different perspective I, on the sport. I,
7: I really appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on. I'm a big fan of the show. Keep doing a great job, and, and I'll be tuning in.
1: Thank you so much, Adi. Good luck to you guys on Wednesday. Thank you.
7: Cheers. There
1: he is. Adi Attar of uh, Paradigm Sports Management stopping by, uh, like I said, developing... Putting together one of the one of the best client rosters in the game today. I mentioned that they have guys like the uh, Conor McGregor, Matt Mitrione, Michael Bisping, some of the other names that they have. So Apollyon, Cyril Diabate, Rafael Davis, Christian Mpumbu of Bellator fame, Lorenz Larkin, Tyson Jeffries, Court McGee. Jake Shields, as I said, Ben Saunders, Steve Carl, fighting for the World Series of Fighting, welterweight belt, the first one on October 26th, Chris Lytle on the the website. I don't know if there's a lot to do with him these days, retired. TJ Wahlberger, Bristol Mironde, Ross Pearson, Roger Bowling, Ramsey Nijum, Tony Ferguson, Dave Jansen, Darren Elkins, John Albert, Jessica Aguilar, It's impressive they're doing good work likable guy very open with his thoughts if you want to tweet him something check him out on twitter twitter.com slash uh i feel like there's someone who is putting a knife in the left side of my body here like every time i speak or breathe it's it's very painful right here not so much like the the hard part But I think uh, Will back there may have spiked my salad. Or maybe it's just my bad posture. I tell you who has great posture. Our next guest. And this is very interesting because on October 26th, Mark Munoz will be fighting Lyoto Machida. And in their corners will be arguably the two most famous brothers in the world of jiu-jitsu, maybe even the world of mixed martial arts. Favorites of ours. They are... Henner and Huron Gracie, look at that, wearing the gi, they never leave home without it, how are you guys?
7: <laughs>
9: <laughs> man, he's, a comedian and a, he's a comedian and a reporter and a journalist, this is amazing, uh-huh. well, what's
1: up man? Well it's great to have you guys, and by the way, Huron, uh, where were you when your brother was viciously attacking me, uh, uh, trying to submit me with dart choke, I never tapped, but I thought maybe you'd have my back, I think you were around, you weren't in Toronto, where were you my friend?
9: If I was there, I would have helped you for sure because you can tell that I have no problem going against him. Oh, but um, I was actually recovering from my tonsils being removed, so I was at home.
1: Oh wow, how are you feeling?
9: Feeling better now, but I could not believe the pain I went through. The tonsils is no joke.
1: Really? Was that just something that came up, or was it something with your training that it? it How did this happen?
9: No, my tonsils and my deviated septum were affecting my breathing Mm -hmm. when I was sleeping, so they had to clear my tonsils to help me breathe better. And which is a problem because now my endurance went from like, you know, 70% to like now I'm 100% all free airflow in and out. So I'm unstoppable now. <laughs> oh, wow. He was, he was unstoppable before this surgery. Now it's ridiculous, though. So, it should have been illegal to remove my tonsils. Unbelievable.
1: Does this make you... Okay, so let's set, let's set the scene here. October 26th in Manchester, Mark Munoz is fighting Leota Machida. It was supposed to be Mark Munoz versus Michael Bisping. Bisping withdrew because of an eye injury. Now, you guys are—you know—we you, see you from time to time. Cornering fighters, like I said, we saw Henry Gracie in Toronto, um, cornering Brendan Chubb. He got the big Darce choke, and this was no problem for you. But once Leonardo Machida replaced Michael Bisping, this became a family affair. You guys are going to be cornering against each other. When
9: well, did you? It was f- really—it was, really, was really crazy how it came about. Because yeah, tell us. Before you guys were training together, it was a Wednesday. Wednesday morning, the four of us were training with other friends of ours also. The four, myself, Machida, Mark, and some other guys, we had a great training session. And Thursday evening, wow, I'm driving to the airport, and I get a call that's like, listen, from Machida, it's like, listen, they want me to fight Mark Munoz. And he said, I would rather not fight him now, but I don't mind fighting him one day. It's part of the game. We're in the same weight class, but doesn't make sense to fight right now but I don't know what we can do about this. And next thing you know, it's announced, and now they're fighting.
1: So how do you feel about this, Henner?
9: Yeah, I mean, this is... Um, when, we, when we found out that Meliodo was dropping to 185 to fight Tim Kennedy, as soon as he said that... Well, as soon as he told me he was going to drop to 185, I said, okay, you know, that should be much better for him because he's a very light... A um, uh, really light, light heavyweight. And I knew he could make the drop... Um, but the, the first thought that came to mind was, man, I hope he never has to fight Mark. I hope it's like a situation where, you know, they do their thing. And for whatever reason, their, their, their careers don't necessarily cross paths. And, uh, you know, life goes on. And I know they could fight. But I just hope that's the fight that never happens at, uh, at middleweight. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, basically, it's the exact opposite of what I hope for. Is <laughs> the first fight. It happened so abruptly for both of them. And it was announced, like, almost without notice. And these guys, there was no way to go back. They have to do it. Um, it's the main event for the card in, uh, in Manchester, and, and Dana would have it no other way.
1: So and just uh, go ahead.
9: I was going to say that this whole thing of them having to do it, it sounds almost like they have to, they're being forced. But the reality is there's only one belt. And a lot of times fighters will say that they won't fight certain people because they're friends. But that's, I don't really think that's a good thing. I think yeah. that no matter what, it's like, listen, I don't really want to fight you, but it has to be done. Let's do it. It's the business that we're in. So I like that both of them are down to do it. And, of course, they are. Yeah. And the fact that we are just shows that we are also agreed that there is one belt, so there's one, yeah. one championship, and one champion, and we like that. Well, initially, initially, we, we, you know, naturally, when someone like uh, Greg Jackson, for example, has two people fighting against one another, at least from what I remember, he doesn't go to the fighters, doesn't coach either one of the fighters. But in this situation, because there's two of us, and we both coach and work with both of the fighters, we thought, man. you know, And they, initially, we thought about not going. Well, mm. yeah initially we thought about not going he don't want hand it we should just probably leave him let them do their thing and then you know both Lyoto and mark um requested and 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 you know preferred that we go yeah they'd rather be you know there with us yeah. versus without us yeah and so, uh, and that's the vibe and i told you know i told i talked to mark the other night we had a great celebration for my grandfather we're celebrating 100 years of annie gracie and both mark and Lyoto both came to this celebration um two nights ago that he don't mm-hmm. organize in los angeles Beautiful celebration. Uh, Ellenberger was there. Uh, Shab was there. All the guys. So Who's was one more? Those, those are, Ellenberger, Shab. So those are before we train with. Those are the main. No, there were five there though. Javier. No, there was another Ryan.
1: Who's the guy? Now, now he's going to yeah, feel horrible that you forgot about him.
9: I just want to pay respect. We had an amazing celebration, mm-hmm. and over there, I told Mark, I said, "Bro, just to be very clear, like I'm not coaching Leo. I'm not. I'm not coaching against Mark Munoz in this fight. I'm coaching for Leoto. You see what I'm saying? Yeah." And that's the kind of the vibe because we've been training with Mark and, and I've been training with Mark as well as, we, as Hiron for, you know, three, four years now. So it's, um, it's amazing. And we're there more for supporting these guys as individuals than to try to beat the person on the other side, even though that's the game they play.
1: So for the record, Henner on my right is going to be uh, in Leo's corner. Hiron on my left is going to be in Mark Munoz's corner. Now, how do things proceed from here? Are you guys just making a pact? We're not going to talk about it because, like you said, you you've trained all together. So, are you just going to not talk about this until it's all over? What do you think, Henner?
9: Well, I, I already told Henner that Mark is going to just bring one Superman punch. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, this is not, that's it. Let's know? be very clear, Errol. There is no pact, and there is um, there is no behind the scenes promises. This is this is this is real deal brotherly uh, rivalry right now. Okay, this is a very real situation. Uh, we need to go in this situation, and you know, I've been a little brother getting beat up my whole life. You know what I'm saying, by Hiron. And it's been suffering, you know what I'm saying? It hasn't <laughs> been easy. You know, people talk about Gracie, legacy, you get automatic, you know, your Gracie family, you get fame, you get prestige, you get respect. No, you get beat up if you're Hedon's little brother. It's painful. Um, mm-hmm. And you do your best to recover from this trauma. But this point of my life, to have the situation here where finally we can go in there and without having to fight him myself, I can still kind of challenge his situation it's kind of like playing chess or playing a video game. Right. And then and, and Lyoto and Mark are both the pieces of the chessboard, going And we're gonna, I'm going to trust me. I'm going all in. I know he movements. I know his strengths. I know his one weakness. And guess what I'm teaching Lyoto? Boom. 100%. Because I know he's teaching Mark his goodness. So I already know where the loophole is, my friend. Let's not get it twisted. All, all, all year. Basically, you better just keep Lyoto off the ground. That's all I have <laughs> to say to you. Because if it goes to the ground, we already know Mark. Mark smashes people on the ground. So if Leonardo runs around standing up for a while, then there might be a chance. So at the end of the day, to get it very clear, this is um, this is not a joke. This is very serious, and uh, I, I'm going in for the W straight up. You know it's, what I'm saying? It's a very serious thing that we joke about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't take life too seriously. But yes. um, but this is. No, there's not any, there's no pack, there's no secret. They're going to go in there and, and you know, it's v- like, uh, like Venus and Serena, you know, they got to play against each other, but at the end of the day, these guys have to punch each other in the face. So it's going to be a little different, but it's still the game they play. This morning, uh, last uh, Saturday night, Mark said, you know, can we train on Monday morning? And yesterday at the beach, Hannah and I said, yeah, you know, tomorrow morning I'm going to train with Mark. And he said, what time? Or mm. something like that. And I said, 7.30 in the morning, it was 7 a.m., He's like, well, I'll be there with Leoto at 7.30. And I'm like, dude. So he kind of bullied me out of the mat space today. They took it today. Well, here's why. We'll get it this afternoon course. or tomorrow. If, but. It was, if it was just me and Leoto here, there might be a chance that Hedon would be able to and Mark together, like two against two, they might be able to occupy the mat and bully us out of it and take a dominant situation but, the way Hedon did my whole life, me growing up. However, it was me, um, It was me, Glover, And me, Glover, uh, Leoto, and Glover Teixeira, who were here this morning. And as a result, uh, we had extra backup. We were safe, and we knew the spot was secure. And there was other guys, too. But, see, I give Mark Munoz privates. Right. So that's a good sign for me. That's true. You you put Leoto in semi-private group classes. Yeah, Leoto does group classes here at the academy on time and times. There's no doubt. This is true. Which is not as much quality. This is true.
1: So both guys are coming into the same gym to train for each other.
9: Yes. At different times, we <laughs> schedule it good. We give them different times.
1: But what, so what happens? Like if uh, if Mark's in, does that mean that you know you have to leave? Does that mean that no, like well, well you what's... can't be around, right? That's not fair.
9: Fortunately, we... no, no. Oh, and I just... her better not walk in the room if Mark is in the room. Yeah, me. no, I know better than that for well, sure. You stop everything. Yeah, no, I have to respect that when they're using the big mat. I go in the private room or I go over here in the offices. Or we go in the parking lot and no. do a little street self defense on the parking lot, whatever it's possible. Now no, he's joking. They should go to wouldn't even be in the same building.
1: <laughs> that, I, I would expect nothing less. Now, uh, Henry, you did say that you know uh, Huron's big weakness. What is it?
9: Oh, no, 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 no. This can't be talked about, bro. You can't be disclosing strategy. You know what questions <laughs> not to ask, Eric. You're a professional. He you knows a few of my small weaknesses, but there is no big weakness. Mm. There is no big, that's true, there's no big weakness, but there's like two things you can do against heat on that work 10% of the time, correct? but you need at least, least 5% each. You need at least 10 years training to make those things work. Or you need to work with the person who has that training and get the direct infusion download of knowledge and go straight to the core of the problem.
1: Uh, uh, Hiron, you know, uh, Machida gets criticized sometimes for not engaging, being a very, you know, defensive fighter, counter striker. Are, Are you worried that this might not be a very exciting fight?
9: It is true that if he runs around in circles, it makes it tough for something to happen. And I I believe Mark does go forward a little more than he does. Yeah. But Machida is also, he's not number one. What's he ranked number one in the world? He's uh, two, number one, or two. two He's not where he is for no reason. So Mm -hmm. there's something to say about this whole, you know, not attacking strategy and almost waiting, countering, and then striking. But it is true that, that, you know, those, those guys that are the smartest, like someone like GSP, who's the champ, is also pretty boring sometimes. So I hope that Machida does not um, play too much of that game and just goes after it and finishes the fight. And he does what Henner would do, right? Henner goes through the kill. So make sure you let him know about that. No, no, no. Uh, tell him to go forward. Keep uh, it playful. He, Machida's learning how to keep it playful, bro. Got it.
1: Uh, what did your father have to say about this?
9: I, when I asked him, he actually said at first he, he paused. And he's like, well, you could tell. The same way we kind of had a... Yeah. There's, <laughs> a moment, there's a moment. There's a moment of, ah. And he said, man, well, I wouldn't like you guys to go against each other. You wouldn't fight each other and it makes sense we wouldn't fight each other especially in a fight fight mm. but maybe in a jiu-jitsu match it yeah. wouldn't be as bad you know it'd be more competition yeah but at the end of the day we just we also know that our input is going to be most likely on the ground yeah you know if mark gets some crazy right hand punch and knocks him out or a little kicks him in the face that's not really our our area of expertise well so much yeah i mean the the, the, the Although we can give them a little bit of input there on distance management and, and the jiu approach of standing game, they know what they're going to do. So when it falls to the ground, if anything, I'm going to help the other get choked out. That's it, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, to answer your question about our dad, uh, Ariel, what, what happened is, and what happens is our dad and our generation two has a different philosophy about fighting than these current MMA athletes, do you understand? Their philosophy is kill or be killed my dad still thinks that you know what i'm saying the fights are fought with no gloves and no time limits like he's still in that era like, and that's what he treats the fight he still treats the fight like we're fighting to the death and there's only one winner and you know what i'm saying like he really has that belief and that's what he grew up his whole life with fights having such a such a such a, a charge to them Do you understand they're so yeah they're so meaningful and they're so not even about the money it's just about the honor and the fight so he couldn't possibly see us fighting on that level against one another Now, I think that the difference that he doesn't realize is this is not an uncommon thing where guys who have crossed paths before, you know, uh, just like uh, Brendan Schaub and Matt Mitrione, now theirs was a little bit more sour, the the engagement, but they were buddies in the house, and now they have to fight. He doesn't really realize the degree to which MMA has become a sport. It is a game that includes punching in the face, but it is a technical game, and it includes martial arts, but these guys don't have to be emotional, they don't have to be angry, they don't even have to want to hurt um, to any great extent, with any kind of emotional hurt in the sense of actually, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like who said it recently? I think Mark or someone did interviews. Oh, Brendan Schaub said it. He's like, yeah, bro. He said it very clearly. I go in there. I'm, I'm happy. I like what I do. I enjoy playing the game. But I don't want to cause any permanent damage to my opponent. There's no desire to actually injure them besides win the game. I want to win the fight. That includes punching the face. That includes a submission. But I don't want to kill the guy. I don't want to hurt him. Well, so Schaub said that, and which makes sense. He's a very nice guy. But and I know some fighters fight differently, but for our father, he doesn't realize that it's not a, a, a killer-be-killed situation these days. I don't know if Mark can punch Leodo in the face without trying to break his face. I don't know if Leota can can snap toe kick uh, mark in the chin without knocking him out. Correct. Yes. So they're okay to really really hurt each other. They will and they're down for it. And they, they, do they it know that the odd the ch- no one ever dies in the UFC. So no matter what they heal. They're all young yes. guys. Yeah. Now real quick, are Brendan and Matt friends again? Are they back to cool like buddies? <laughs> they were cool after. They spoke in the behind the scenes behind mm-hmm. after and it was all you know how it is after the fight, right? It's still not the best though. Bro, Leo, uh, yeah. Anderson and jail you know what I'm saying, having barbecues after the fight, being invited for barbecues. Everything's cool after. Got it. Well, that, you know what that, I'm that
1: actually brings up a very good point because you say you all train together. Of course you're 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 on different sides now, but do you think it will all be okay afterwards?
9: Oh yeah, it'll all be it'll be okay before. It's okay today. It was okay two nights ago at the party. The only part that's not okay is when the cage shuts and these guys have to punch her in the face, then they gotta put the bonus aside. And they have to deliver the goods. Otherwise, you and know, they don't get the fight of the night bonus. They don't get the, they want the fight of the night bonus. These guys want to go crazy with each other. And whoever is not okay after the fight will be the one that's not going to be included in any kind of group training or private training that we have. Yeah. If they have a problem, it's like, okay, have a good day. Go deal with your problem on your own. And when you realize that it's just a game, then come back and talk to us and we'll keep training. Here's what they, here's what they posted. I don't know if you saw the post on Instagram or Twitter from, uh, I think Munoz, Mark Munoz yep. posted it. He posted a picture of them two with, uh, with us. They both did it. They, yeah, they both posted it. And it said, winner buys dinner.
7: <laughs> you know um, what I'm
9: saying? Like, that's yeah, yeah, live yeah. right now. These guys, you know this, Eric because you talk to all the guys, and you interview everyone, and you're connected with all the guys and girls. But there are probably on the list of guys who are really nice, who are really, like, yeah. Loving guys and very respectful and very disciplined in human beings. Mark is for sure the nice. Mark is number one. And Leo's like number 11. Leo's like number one and a half or two. He's right there with him. <laughs> if Lyoto spoke better English, you'd be more connected with him. But he's You're like right. blue belt, two stripes in English. We're working on his third stripe right now. And he's making mad progress, too. He says, Henner, don't speak to me in Portuguese. Only speak to me jujitsu in English. I want to learn jujitsu English from you. I want to learn how to speak jujitsu." So but, he's very determined. to learn by, the English, way, by the way, I couldn't
1: agree more. They, they really are two of the nicest guys, if not the nicest guys, and that says a lot in our sport. Now, you mentioned something about competing against each other, and, and I kind of joked with you, uh, Henner, in Toronto, about wanting to see you do an MMA fight. But I think a brother versus, versus brother jiu-jitsu match on any kind of level, any kind of promotion, I don't care where, would be huge because you guys are so famous and, and, and well-known, well-liked in your sport and our sport. Has anyone ever approached you? Well,
9: we beat you to it. We beat you to it. Oh, we beat you to it. What's happening? Um, this match has already happened. It happens every day here at the Gracie Academy when we train together. It's freaking like two grizzly bears trying to kill each <laughs> other. And, 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 and it happened, and we, we never really filmed it and put it out. But um, we did uh, decide that uh, there's a master cycle. Our GracieUniversity.com curriculum is divided in different segments. And in the master cycle, which is the, the Beyond Blue Belt, Blue Belt Stripe One course, we call it, there is a test at the end, and the test includes various things, including sparring. So we said, okay, just so you guys can see what a serious sparring session looks like between two black belts, we included a bonus called Brotherly Battle on this DVD, Master Cycle Blue Belt Stripe 1, available at GracieAcademy.com. 20 minutes. And we went. It was like 20, 25 minutes. It has the whole match, no cuts, but instant slow motion replay for the moments of of pinnacle interest. And here's the best part. We narrate the match after the fact. So that you get the psychological, what I'm thinking precisely when he does this movement and moment, what I'm thinking, and you can choose which brother's narration you want to hear. Wow. So if you want to hear the aggressive, big brother, bully, smash on Henner narration. You're the young brother, bro. You're the younger brother. <laughs> I reverse brother. <laughs> Choose, he don't narration. And then you can choose Henner narrating the same sparring match from both angles. So my friend, not only do we have the match available, but uh, it's yours for only nineteen ninety-five at GracieAcademy.com. <laughs> you can check it out. And, and now, then people want to know what happened at the end of the match. People yes. want to know what happened at the end of 25 minutes like you stay, too. Like you said, go check it out. GracieAcademy.com.
1: Well, when did this happen?
9: This was about uh, a couple years ago. year and a half. Year yeah, ago. year and a half ago. And it, it's what happened once, twice a month, and it always changes. Yeah.
1: But is there a winner? Is there a winner of that match?
9: The oh, there's months? a winner. Very definitive winner. And trust me, you want to watch it. And there were several close calls. But the thing is this, like, you know, just said, you know, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, I, get, I have my days, you know what I'm saying? But the night of this actual session, let me just say this. I didn't have my energy sandwich for breakfast. <laughs>
1: oh, and, you know, excuses.
9: This, this changes all the time. Like, for example, I had a, a daughter five months ago, which, you know. Yes. And my um, And those five months, my training went down the drain. I couldn't even do eight push-ups, like, last week. So if we would have met on one of those days, it was a different story. So it always changes, you know, who's taught more that day and so on. It depends on how we're feeling. Yes, sir. That's how we know who's going to win or lose. But the answer is the joke, Matt, is very fun to watch, bro. It's crazy. It's very informative. There's – and the the narration was so critical, and people have told me this. They're like, Henner, there's so much that – it's the same as Gracie Breakdowns, right? You watch a UFC match. And you think you know what's going on. And then you watch the Gracie breakdown and you realize you have no clue what was happening and there's during, still- the, during that, um, the Pettis armbar over Benson Henderson. Like people watched that and they saw the breakdown I did with Lyoto. And they were like, Henner, oh my God, that was so major, the details. And, 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 you know, I forget, you know, I forget that Jiu-Jitsu is a language. And, and, and it's almost like the world is learning this language by watching TV. You know, yeah. you watch TV in another language, you kind of understand a little bit. But they don't understand the jiu-jitsu language unless they're immersing themselves in the language. You know what I'm saying? And, the, and to learn a language, what's the best way to learn any language? Find a girlfriend. Find a girlfriend who speaks, girlfriend who speaks language. the language. Yes. Yeah. To speak the jiu-jitsu language, your girlfriend is GracieUniversity.com.
1: Brilliant. You know, we're talking about the uh, – you're so good at this, Henry. You're just, <laughs> <laughs> you're just amazing. Uh, you know, we're talking about the jiu-jitsu aspect of mixed martial arts. And Hoyce, a man you know very well, uh, told our website, MMAFighting.com, recently that, quote, the new guys from the Gracie family want to complement their game. Like if jiu-jitsu was incomplete. I guess they forgot a little bit about history. And now some other, you know, uh, we, we had Haja Gracie reply to this and other people as well. What, what do you guys make of this? That the, the Gracies aren't doing well in mixed martial arts because they forgot about their history. They're moving away from what got them there. Well,
9: okay. uh, Hoist. Hoyce is hoist is right and hoist is wrong. He's saying two, he's mixing two messages here and the problem as you know very well in your profession when things get quoted out of context or when someone says something but doesn't actually complete their thought then it's inferred and, and it's interpreted a certain way. What Hoist meant to say, I shouldn't say that What I think, what I interpret Hoist's message to be is people forget that jiu-jitsu as an art is a complete martial art. A lot of people say, well, jiu-jitsu is good for the chokes. No, jiu-jitsu teaches the standing approach to a fight, the clinching aspect, the takedown aspect, and the ground fighting aspect. It includes everything, as as, as Hoist demonstrated so well in the early UFCs. Now, um, what he said regarding the fact that today people's cross-training is leading to their demise, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that the reason they're cross-training isn't because jiu-jitsu is not a complete martial art. Jiu-jitsu, if you get in a street fight, area, we had our first lesson, right, the other day sure. at UFC 165 sure. in Toronto. If you get in a street fight outside over there against a guy who outweighs you by 50 pounds, you don't need Muay Thai. You need jujitsu, Gracie jiu-jitsu, pure 36 techniques. Learn those, master those, spend six months to a year refining those techniques for yourself, and you have a self-defense chance against a giant because we cover standing, takedown, ground, submission, the whole aspect. Now, if you're going to fight an MMA against someone who is a collegiate or an all-American wrestler, and their only goal is not to go to the ground, and they're going to stand there with you, you have to punch that person in the face repeatedly to get the judges to side with you. Do you understand? So the only reason to cross-train is because you're playing to entertain and to, I guess, earn the the, the opinions of judges, not to survive in a worst-case scenario against a larger opponent when there's no time limit, no judges, no weight class, no referee, for that situation, all you need is jujitsu, and you need it very well. Not that you can't learn other arts, but jujitsu is complete for this situation. And, and victory in jiu-jitsu is survival. It is just defending yourself. Right. Our, our grandfather always said, if you do not lose, you can only win. So for him, for example, if he fought in the UFC, he would go out there and not get beat up by whoever his weight class was, GSP, just not lose. Right. He'd walk away and say, great, I did great. Yes. That. that guy right there did not hurt me. My arm, my limbs are good, my face is good. Let's go home. But he was losing the judge's decision. <laughs> Correct, which meant nothing to him. Yes. Now and also the idea of striking to get the judge's, you know, points, but also the striking might help that wrestler get a little aggravated and come forward and attack. And then that wrestler now attacking brings them forward, making the takedown easier for the jiu-jitsu expert. Big time. So these are all things so cross training helps. Well, yeah, make the fight happen a little more because we've know we seen some guys that are professionals and not going to the ground. Yeah. No matter what. So so the answer is we believe...
1: Have these comments comments created a rift in the family?
9: Not so much a rip. I think there's been a lot... Trust me, this family is pretty resilient to this craziness. There's so much drama. Yeah. And there's so much family freaking craziness already, bro, (laughs) that this causes nothing. Hoy says something. And, And, you know, the younger generation, it's like, there were things that my dad and my grandfather say as they get older that you think, okay, I know why they're saying this. And it comes from an emotional place of the journey that they've been through. So rather than judging them for what I think they should say, I try to accept and understand where they're coming from because everyone looks at the same thing from a different perspective. And if you don't understand that, you're going to have conflict in every relationship, not not jujitsu, not crazy family, but life in general. And whether or not like, how you can look at what they said depends on your own state. Yeah. So we're in a position right now where when Hoy says that, we're like, oh, okay, we understand him. But some other graces for sure might be in a position where yeah. him saying that right there was like a huge disrespect and that might cause tension, but we're not sure. Who is like that right now, and who's
1: not? Do you feel like there's, you know, we're approaching the 20th anniversary of the UFC, which your father, you know, had such a big part uh, in in launching. and Gracie, of course, uh, you know, I I believe off top of my head, Gracie hasn't won in the UFC since 1995. Hollis Gracie, Hajar Gracie, Hensel Gracie, all you know, came on the losing end of their fights. So do you feel like there's pressure on the family now as we approach this this milestone to get someone in there who can actually win fights in the UFC?
9: I, no. There's pressure. No pressure, bro. Here's the, the deal. The, the, the Gracie family wins. Every single UFC that airs, the every Gracie family UFC wins. Every airs, the Gracie family wins. Well every said. single UFC. Every single UFC fighter in the cage, everyone. Every single fight. Some might not say it, but all of them love the Gracie family and are extremely grateful for jiu-jitsu that was brought by the Gracie family. As long as this is the – here's the deal, Ariel. As long as someone is getting choked or getting out of a choke – Jiu-Jitsu wins, and if jujitsu wins, the Gracie family is, has done its purpose, has served its purpose. And this now, is. for these athletes who are now looking to challenge themselves, because everyone chooses their journey, and there's these third and fourth generation Gracies now who put themselves in that position of I got to go represent my family and my thing. I think, more. yes, they're representing the family, no doubt, and whenever Gracie wins, in any organization, it's a great thing. But more than anything, these guys are putting themselves through the grinder on a way that is very respectable, very admirable, to challenge themselves in that way. And they feel that very much, as much as for the family, they want the personal fulfillment of, of pursuing that that personal quest of putting yourself in the fire and making it happen and putting yourself through the grind like that, which is a very admirable. Um and that's a fight that they choose. But if they win or lose, doesn't mean Jiu-Jitsu has won or lost. Jiu-Jitsu already won. That's why the UFC is still existing today. That's why it was created. And like we said, every fighter being a purple, a brown, or a black belt in the UFC means that they've all accepted what our grandfather came here or, or came to this earth to do, you know, 1913, exactly 100 years ago, October 1st.
1: And uh, will your father be at the 20th anniversary show? Where is it? It's in uh, Las Vegas, November 16th. I, I, I would imagine that it's not a 20th anniversary show without your father.
9: Yeah, that's a very uh, reasonable you, request. Yeah. That's not too far away. It's not mm. too far away. Too if he's contacted, it's reasonable. But, yeah, talk I, to Dana, and I think it'd be I, cool. To set, we should set that up.
1: But they haven't contacted him yet, from what you I don't, know. I don't, I don't
9: know. My dad's, my dad's pretty elusive, man. This guy's <laughs> moving around always engaging in new business and man he's just having kids you know what i'm saying he's just doing having the happy life
1: so you guys in manchester how will you interact will you not talk to each other on fight week how are you going to keep this separate
9: Opposite, bro. No, of course. There's no problem. The only bro. thing I'm not going to tell him is how Mark's going to knock him out. Yes, bro. We're going to be so friendly, bro. We can have the weigh-ins. We can have dinner. We can have dinner after the weigh-ins and be totally cool. No problem. And you know what? This, Just don't ask me strategy. And I feel like this um, this kind of respect and ability to be around each other the week of the fight is less stressful for the fighter. Right. Because a lot of times, you know, there's that the tension between fighters avoiding the same elevator or different buses, different vans to be yeah. transported. And that, you know, or that, that look from the other camp, and these are things that, for all we know, can be putting stress on the fighter who's fighting in one or two days. But if it's like, hey, how are you, good to see you, the whole time, you know, mutual respect, the, it will almost make the time fly by faster and hopefully make the event even that much more exciting yeah. because the, they're not stressed out. They're yeah. going to do what they're best, what they're, best, uh, what they're doing, people, what they do best. If people aren't engaged... To watch this fight for the simple fact that it's Leo Machida versus Mark Munoz, two amazing fighters at what they do, and the styles of their fighting. If they're not engaged for that. They should be engaged and curious to see how two guys literally can go from training one day to fighting the next day or to being told that they're going to fight each other a month later, train for it, smiling the whole time, training hard, get in there and have to punch in their face. It's pretty much it's as close to brothers fighting in the UFC as you're going to get, as I've ever seen. I haven't yeah. seen two closer guys and two guys more connected. More connected. Through the academy, they're very connected. This is the first time brothers are coaching against each other, so it's very close to home, my friend. And people should watch because of curiosity to see, wow, can you go from brothers coaching each other to tell the other guy to punch the other brother? I mean, bro, Mark's my brother, mm. and Leoto's Giron's brother. So I'm coaching my brother to punch my brother in the face or to catch him in an arm lock, you know? So this is very interesting. This is crazy, bro. Okay. I, I mean, it's, and it's crazy. And how this all, you know, pans out, I believe will have a good uh, influence and impact on the future because we don't want MMA today. It can, it can very easily go in the direction – of being a little bit negative and a little bit violent. Yeah. It needs to be a little more professional and a little bit more positive and respectful. Not that it's not already in so many ways, but hopefully with this, when someone sees this, they can now look at their future opponent. You know, this 21 year old kid who we don't know who he is, who might fight one day. He can now look at his opponent and say, wow, you know, look at Mark and Machida fought and they did their thing 100 percent Somebody lost, somebody won. But look at now they're working together and they're friends, and there's already proof of this. Fighters have fought together and then trained together. Vandale Silva and Sakuraba have trained together. Right. And Sakuraba got. Yeah, axe. Murdered. Axe yeah. murdered. So yeah. and they hung out and they trained together after. And that's a that people need to see that. And the before too. I mean training after is not that uncommon. The before, the fact that they can be training up to a month before the fight. And there'd be no animosity. There's no emotion here. It's very technical. I think it really highlights the fact the the hue the humaneness and the 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 respect that, that can come in this new this new era of MMA. Twenty years later, it's a point where it's not about you know, you know jujitsu, fighting, karate, you know what I'm saying? Even though, you know, these guys are going in they representing their respective arts and Lyoto has that strong karate background and Mark has the wrestling background, still, it's, um, it's, it's such a respectful game right now that I think is, it is there's a lesson here for sure. I have never seen this type of fight happen. I can't wait to see it. And then I can't wait to see the right before the fight and then the right after, you know? It's strictly business. They, they,
1: they need to have you guys. You know how they have, like, uh, Rogan and Dana at the cage, you know, selling the fight. They need to have you guys do that for this because you're making me want to watch the fight in five minutes here. You're doing a great job of pumping it up. Let's end on this, guys, okay? Uh, here on tell me why Machida is going to win on October 26th, and then, Henner, tell me why Mark Munoz is going to win.
9: Did you Was that a, was that a misprint, or did you actually mean to ask you on how is going to win because he's coaching... Yes,
1: Mark. yes. I, I messed that up. Totally. You caught me. See, Purpose? even even, no, even the great ones mess up sometimes.
9: Okay, so do you actually... No, no he, he, Does he, he want you thought, to actually coach he me, right right you me He already said he messed up. I messed up. up. I Which messed
1: up. He, but that would be interesting as well. He how Mark's going to win. Th- that would be... That's an interesting thing. You you almost saved me there. But let's go with your own guys. Let's go with your own guys.
9: He wants to know how Mark's going to win. Yeah, All yeah. I tried to save, is give you some respect for the you deep tr- riddle. Got you, it, you, guy. it. Tr- yeah. The first thing we need to know is... We need to just know that for sure Mark is not gonna lose by any kind of jujitsu type technique. That's the first understanding we must have, right? He's not gonna get tapped out. You yeah. can't Damian Maya can't tap Mark Munoz. Right. Machida better not even think about it, number one. Yeah. And now how oh, he's gonna win I did show him that one show. It doesn't matter. Okay. So Damian <laughs> Maya could not tap Mark Munoz. Now and how Mark is gonna win, he's gonna have to hurt Machida. Yeah. And you know, it's unfortunate that he's gonna be so injured after the fight, but that's pretty much how Mark wins. He hurts people. Hmm. I can talk and tell you, Penner. Like snap toe kick to the face.
1: <laughs> Jiu-jitsu not even needed.
9: Well, no, you say I, I you didn't see? say when this was going to happen. This is oh. going to happen after he neutralized. This is going to happen after he neutralized the ground and pound. After he escaped the Dars choke. After he escapes from the bottom of the half guard back to his feet. And then when Mark's getting a little bit over anxious on the takedown, Mio's going to put both hands up. <laughs> see now he's total. Bro, you think I can't give full strategy, but I can tell you this. Leoto's gonna be Leoto with a little bit of energy sprinkled on top. Everything is possible, my friend. Um
1: and by the way, is this your first time in, in Leoto's corner for a fight? Because I've seen yeah. Huron with, with Mark in his corner, but I don't know if I've ever seen you in his corner.
9: Yeah. What did that tell you? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Listen, here's the deal. Leoto's corner is not restricted to the octagon, let me just say that.
1: Oh, so you both won't physically oh, be out say, there?
9: Oh. I want to see you house. both out there. I'm at Leota's house. house teaching him the secrets of the Gracie vegetable juice recipe. I'm showing him the in- I'm not just showing him the fighting techniques, but it goes way beyond the fight with Henry Gracie. Oh, wow. In your
1: corner. Oh, speaking so, oh. No, Leota
9: asked me. I was, I was supposed to go to uh, to Brazil when he H- fought H- Phil H- Davis. Henry H- cooks for you. He's in your <laughs> corner. <laughs> I was supposed to go to, um, to, to Brazil when he fought Phil Davis, but I had a scheduled conflict with seminars that were scheduled months prior. Before he even knew the time of the day of the fight. So, so luckily we were able to work it out. We will you be in his this. corner,
1: though, on October 26th?
9: Henry won't. No, I'll be in Mark's. I believe that'll get again Of course, might going to be his corner, bro. Are you serious? <laughs> this is the whole part. Uh, I'm going to be there 100% Venom, all Venom geared out. Leoto sponsorship. Now, uh, Ariel, here's the deal. Yeah. Was that... Dar's choke that I put you in in yeah. our previous interview was that your first jujitsu lesson officially? No, what do you think
1: I am? You think I'm some kind of uh, you know uh, uh, ignorant uh, you know reporter here? I, I train, of course I train. I just Where? don't. T- I just don't. I just don't feel like I have to publicize it to the world. Where do you roll, bro? I was just don't, I was just playing just, possum.
9: Just, the best answer would have been GraceUniversity.com. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what state you train in? What, or what? what state?
1: What state? Uh, I live in New York State.
9: Yeah, you trained in New York. Got yeah. it. Great. Well, here, Okay. The reason I was asking is because if that was your first one, we were gonna set up and schedule your second official one. Oh. Um, and we we already ha- this is how serious we are. We even brought you your gi. We even brought you your gi. Show him his gi. We even brought you the official l one hundred. Wow. The, the official new l one hundred gi right here. Look, look at this.
1: That's amazing. I am honored. I will wear that with pride. I even it's have a bl- st- I have a black belt right here from Metamoris. It says my name on it.
9: See or, it? Yeah, you can wear the black belt as long as you don't go to any schools. <laughs> and, um, and we'll even send you the gi, bro. We'll get your second class going. But here's the deal. I just feel that as a true ambassador for MMA and a true representative for this sport, yeah. it's so critical that you understand the intricacies beyond the suit and tie and into the gi and then into the cage eventually.
1: Event- but, you you um, want me to let's fight? get ready,
9: bro. Lesson number two, when you get out here, and also to the jujitsu jitsu lesson, we're going to also have what? The acai, okay. Henner, acai Super Bowl?
1: This is what I wanted to – I don't, I don't care about the fighting stuff. I just want to know what's in the Super Bowl. Late last week, Henner texted me a picture. Everyone knows how obsessed I am with acai. He texted me this amazing bowl that he calls the Super Bowl. It seemed like there was some coconut on top, but I couldn't really make what, what, what was going on in there. And no joke, I've been thinking about it ever since. I've, I've gone back to that text just to look at it, to try to savor it. What exactly yes. is in the Super Bowl?
9: Bro, whenever you need motivation for any major progress in your life, just look at that picture. Now, (laughs) the problem is you just raised another issue right now because uh, Hidon's laughing right now because his bowl, he's very emotional about his bowl being the best bowl and my bowl being not so good. So you already created another rivalry right now. (laughs) At the end of the interview, we're supposed to be going to class right now, and you just sparked a whole new situation. I'm going to let Hidon go first, and then I'm going to tell you the ingredients for the Super Bowl. No, I don't even have one bowl. I have so many bowls. I can have a little bowl bar or I just oh you can God. have 20 options of what you want in your bowl. Basically I you have heaven in Hill's living room. Now mine <laughs> always changes. I am I'm like jujitsu. I change, I'm fluid, I flow. This guy only has one bowl. That's doesn't true. change That's true. And it's plus. True. And just one choke. And just so you know, I had to tell Henner for one year. I was doing acai bowls for a whole year. And I'm like, bro, get a blender, get the acai, he makes this, 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 this. And he didn't want to do it. He's like, no, no, I already, this is where I have my juice right here. Finally, a whole year later, like maybe I had like 70, i say bowls. More. Then he went and invented <laughs> one bowl, and all of a sudden thought he had the best bowl in the world. Yes, I must confess. It's this an is illness. This, this bowl is, is not the best. Everything good. There is no best bowl. Listen, everything good that I have in my life, I owe to this guy. That is the truth. Wow. My fiance, Eve Marie wow. Torres, my fiance, Eve Marie Torres, came through introduction from Hiron wow. and his wife, Victoria. Wow. She's going to have my children one day. We're going to have little baby Gracie's running around. Everything's going to be great. And it's going to be because he brought this whole situation to my life. So I got to acknowledge. Now, the Henergy sandwich is a world famous sandwich. And I got to make the record straight right here. The Henergy sandwich, he don't introduce me. To the energy sandwich concept, like six years ago, when we were living together. He was like, "Hannah, try this: almond butter, avocado, a little bit of kale blended in right here. Make it happen. Make it." Eh. And I was like, "Man, this is so good!" And then months passed, and I add some modifications, but the core comes from the same source. And then I'm thinking, "Man, this is so good. I got to share it with the world." So when I made the YouTube video, I had to give it a name. Correct. And, and if I have to give it a name, there was two options: the hidongji. And the energy, the energy just had a different ring to it. So I put my name on it, and now we go teach seminars together. And people come out to me like, "Hanner." Oh, people say to you, right? What do they say? He said, know, do you have your own sandwich?" <laughs> no, they say, they say, "Yeah, can you invent a sandwich?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" He invented the energy, but I have names on it, bro. It's crazy. So back to the Asahi Super Bowl. Get your notepad and get your pencil, my friends. Everyone okay. who's watching, get ready. Asahi Super Bowl. In the blend, this is called the blend. Yeah. You have room temperature watermelon as your base liquid. Room temperature watermelon and room temperature papaya, okay? Those are your base liquids. Only 25% of the content of the blender can be uh, non-frozen if you want to have the proper sorbet mixage. Second aspect, (laughs) frozen cantaloupe slices, frozen grapes, and frozen acai bricks, Mm. okay? That's going to be 75% of your content ratio has to be frozen product to retain the sorbet um, texture and the touch of the tongue- to the mixage, and it has to be 75%. You're going to blend it with the Vitamix. You get the stick, you push, blend, 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 you let it run, and you let it blend until the Vitamix is about to break, and it makes a beautiful sorbet blend, very cloudy, very fluffy, very amazing. You take that, you put it, I put cream cheese in mine, and cheese, I'm sorry, not cream cheese, I put cottage cheese, the protein in cottage cheese, and chia seeds mixed into his operation. What's crazy is that in two more weeks, those will be in my blend, and I'll name it, and I'll put it out to the (laughs) world, and it'll be famous. So then, (laughs) on top, that's the sorbet blend. You put the blend in the bowl, you get it out. Inside, that's just the the base layer. Now we have the toppings. On the toppings we have, number one is the homemade granola. That the recipe, guess where it came from? Homemade (laughs) granola recipe. Homemade? Homemade granola, amazing granola. The second recipe is going to be raisins, washed, hand-washed raisins. The third recipe is going to be diced, dried calamarin figs, diced, Chopped up, yeah. dry, calamaran figs. Not fresh, the dried figs. you got to cut off the stem because if you leave the stem in when you do the whole choppage, when you bite it, you're going to bite down and you're going to blame me. <laughs> but it's not my liability, my friends. <laughs> and then the other topping on top of that goes a little sprinkle of what you saw, the snow, my friend. The coconut flakes, the coconut drizzle. This is dried coconut. They sell any whole foods. You sprinkle it on top, you make it happen. Shout out to Acai Roots, AsaiRoots.com, our official sponsor. But my friends, the bowl. The Super Bowl. If you do this, this is my promise. Who's hooked on this? Brendan Schaub, hooked. Tom Bahali, hooked. Um, Machida. Machida, hooked. Hooked. Came over for the acai bowl, never left. (laughs) Ronda Rousey has had the bowl. Ronda, hooked, loved it. And these people are experienced acai consumers, my friend. Here's what I say. You don't come to the Henner Gracie compound for the first bowl. You try the bowls all over the world. And once you think you know acai, you come to my house. And then you have the energy infusion changes your life for real. They like your bowl because it's free and you make it for them. That's wow. true. Free acai when, at when, house.
1: When I was in Brazil I for UFC, Brazil 163, UFC 163, I had seven hands. bowls of acai in a span of 72 hours. So I'd like to think, even though I can't really get the authentic stuff here, and I don't really know, I tried to make it on my own. It didn't really work out. I'd like to think that I've reached a status where right now I'm sweating listening to you break down this bowl because it I want will, it so it badly.
9: change your life, my friend. Don't let me say it again, but just trust me. I know you come to L.A. from time to time. If not, if you have a layover in L.A., on your way to singapore hawaii japan china henner will bring you a bowl <laughs> to uh-huh. your gate it's cost extra my friend this costs extra but the point is it, anything you do to experience this bowl is worth it wow
1: <laughs> all right that's it that's all i can't say anything else after that that that's uh, that's a deal right there you have a deal my friend guys this is why i always put henner and Huron on last anytime they're on my show because <laughs>
9: He doesn't want to be included in the one who talks too much. No, I don't talk. I say just enough.
1: You do. You do. But it's, it's, a, it's a nice package deal, and that's why we're so interested in this fight on October 26th. Best of luck to you guys. You want to say something else, Henner? I see.
9: The only place to get more of the package deal is where?
1: GracieUniversity.com.
9: Respect. And, and also, I was going to tell you, that same uh, weekend of the fight, the next day, we're going to do a seminar. Mm. Myself, in Manchester. In Manchester, myself, Jake Ellenberger, and Mark. And um, yeah, and hopefully Henry will be in the area. Yes, and if Lyoto wins, I'm gonna show up and show the strategy and just show this precise technique.
1: Why not Lyoto and Mark together?
9: We could. Depends on his flight strategy. Yes. Uh, oh, okay. what his situation is. Lyoto's a busy businessman, bro. That guy travels a lot, so That's we'll see true. what he
1: can do. A lot of urine to drink as well.
9: <laughs> That's a tradition, but I didn't teach him that. <laughs> no, he replaced urine with vegetable juice. He's on the vegetable hype right now, That's bro. Good. This guy's going to a different level. I'm telling you. The heat on vegetable juice. Again, all comes from here. Ariel, much respect, bro. Sorry for taking so much time. No,
1: a pleasure as always.
9: Yes, we'll see you at the next fight, bro. And uh, I hope next time that uh, we do the demo, the backstage interview. If there's a choke unconsciousness and we do the situation, do you give me permission to hold on until you go to sleep for pure research reasons so you know what guys like Matt Mitrione are feeling once they pass out? Do I have permission to keep hold the whole time?
1: Let me think about it dang <laughs> i have yeah, i have not- uh, the, the the rest of the night it felt like my eyes were going to pop out of my head my nose was going to explode I, I have to think about you know the rest of the night if it's the main event yeah. then I, ha- I don't have to work afterwards then yeah
9: we've both been choked out at least five ten times each so you- it's just out of respect for these fighters that you, you respect sure. so much we suggest that you experience this one day but you should not do it every time you get choked out your neck gets weaker it's yeah. not good to get choked out.
1: Well, Hero's H- H- looking out for my best interest. Henner's just trying to get some YouTube hits. I know.
9: Don't do it, That's bro. That's when you know it's time to end the interview, bro. <laughs> Tap early. Tap early.
1: Thanks so much, guys. A pleasure, as always, and good luck to you on October 26th. Love having What's you suspect? on. Thank what you so was- much. there, brother. There they are. Henner, Huron, Gracie, the best bros. Look at them. So happy. On the same page. What do you say after an interview like that? We went 45 minutes with them. I could have gone an hour and 45 minutes. It would be fun to uh, see them compete in a uh, in a jujitsu match, a live jujitsu match. Because who knows if they actually edit those matches? But um, they said there there is one. If you make it, I think what do you say to the master class, bluebelts, uh, GraceUniversity.com. dot One time we actually gave away a prize to uh, to a listener. I believe it was our friend James in California. The whole box set. But let me tell you, he sent me this picture of the uh, the Acai Super Bowl, and it was I almost I had to sit down. I've been staring at that thing and uh I am you know the 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 ghee and training all that stuff is all well and good but the bowl, the bowl, my friends, is 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 making me think about just flying to LA, take an early flight, come back, I could be home by night, um and and, and and try this thing. It just it looks amazing. But there you have it, there's the story. Henner, let me get, I keep messing this up. Hiron will be in Mark Munoz's corner, Henner in Leo Machida's corner, UFC on Fox Sports 2 on October 26th, which is turning out to be a very good day uh, of MMA action. That will be in the afternoon and then at night. World Series of Fighting has a a pretty solid card with Josh Berkman against Steve Carl in the main event for the vacant WSOF welterweight title. Okay, let's move along. We have uh, a caller, and then we're going to go to your questions. We also have to talk about our picks for Wednesday night in Brazil. First, let us go to Jeremy in Memphis. Jeremy, are you there? Yes, sir. How you doing? Hey, bud. How's it going?
5: I'm all right. Um, I'm kind of nervous, you know. This is a, a huge honor for me, but... um that was kind of my question, my first question, about how are you so calm, cool and collected when you're doing these interviews? I mean, seems to me that you never trip. I mean, you kind of did earlier on the show, but you know what you feel was kind of, kind of defines you in my, in my opinion. You said the great ones mess up sometimes. <laughs>
1: and, well, I was just kidding when I yeah. said that, but um, you know, and I appreciate that very much. How, I mean, you know, honestly, I uh, I don't try to think of it as an interview. I I don't prepare anything. I mean, you look at my screen right now. It's it's just my Gmail account so that, um, you know, I can get Gmail chats from uh, New York Rick or anyone else. But th- that's pretty much it. I'm not, I don't look at anything. I don't really consider an interview. I, I don't really research for any of the interviews. I think about who, you know, I want to have on the show. Um, who's interesting, and I just know what I want to talk about because I live and breathe MMA, you know, 28 hours a day. If there were 28 hours in okay. a day, I, th- I think about this so much. So I just—it's just like me having a conversation, talking. There's so much I want to ask my friends. I don't know if you've ever seen yeah. the movie uh, Home Alone, but in the the first one, there's the little kid. You know, when they're kind of all going nuts, um, in the and uh, and there's a there's uh, the van. Packing everything up And there's a little kid A neighbor Who is asking All these questions He's asking like Does this van have Four wheel drives Does it have automatic brakes All that stuff Mm -hmm. And then they end up Counting him As Kevin McAllister And of course He's not there He's sleeping That's a whole other story For a different day The point being My friends (laughs) always used To call me that kid um, You know The four wheel drive kid Because I used to ask So many questions So it just kind of Comes off the top of my head And I don't really try To make it out To be a show Or an interview I'm just having A conversation Right So that was
5: the same way In the beginning Of your career too at the very beginning?
1: Well, you know, at the, ver- at the very beginning, like when I was in, in college and I had my own radio show, um, I used to write the questions yeah. down. And then I realized very early on that if you write the questions down, you are sticking to a script and you're not listening to what they're saying. You're not uh, anticipating follow-ups. You're not really paying attention to your subject. So I stopped doing that and I found that I enjoyed the interviews much more because I really had to listen to everything and let the conversation flow. Of course, like when I have, you know, here on and henner on, I know what I want to talk about, but I have to listen to what they're saying to ask follow-up questions and things like that. So I, I just really enjoy asking uh, people questions and having conversations. Yeah. The interesting thing is that I don't really enjoy it so much on a personal level. On a personal level, I kind of try to shy away from that stuff. But when I guess the lights are on, I enjoy having a conversation for people, if that makes any sense. Uh,
5: Makes total sense. And um, I also want to throw out there that if you didn't want to train under the Gracie's and, um, you know, fight for them and have them corner you, I know I would. You know, so if they're throwing it out there, I'd love, love to jump on that.
1: I, I, know, I but, know what they'll um, say to you. GracieUniversity.com, you can actually train uh, under them from home. How about that?
5: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have my own school. Oh, yeah? My own Taekwondo school. Yeah.
1: In Memphis? You know, I'm a
5: 30 black girl. We're uh, about 40 miles outside of Memphis.
1: Okay, cool. In Osceola. All right.
5: Osceola. Yeah, I follow you on Twitter, Osceola Martial Arts.
1: Okay. Write yeah. to me on Twitter, and then I'll but, uh, check you out.
5: Okay, that'll work. But um, uh, I forgot my other question. I have another question for you. Uh, John McCarthy, um, I want to appreciate you having him on your show. Yeah, uh, yep, yep. Two weeks later I had a seminar uh to be an MMA judge or referee.
1: Oh really? That's you
5: know, it. Said,
1: and how'd it, it
5: go? Look, it was, it, was, it was very informative. You know, I came in thinking that uh, that I knew everything about the sport. You know, you you know, we when, 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 when you think you learn when you think you know everything then you need to To really leave it alone because your head is not in, you know. But I thought I had a very astute knowledge of the sport. And even with that, he, you know, he broke things down. And I have certain opinions and whatnot. And the way he broke things down, I I really understood what he was saying. And it just made me appreciate the sport that much more, you know.
1: Well, that's great, man. I'm happy that happened. I appreciate it very much. I was yeah. in Memphis for UFC 107. I thought it was a great city. I know you're right. a little bit outside of it, but I hope the ah. UFC comes back. Great people there. Great history. I enjoyed it very much. I appreciate the call, my man. All right, man. You take it easy. All right. Thank you so much. And very kind words. Uh, it, right, it means a lot to us. And love having people call in and asking about the interviews and things like that. I love talking about that stuff. We had last week a question about it, so thank you very much. Okay. So, this uh, Wednesday, it is UFC Fight Night 29. It is in um, Sao Paulo, Brazil, the Jose Correa Arena. And it, uh, as I mentioned, 5 o'clock Eastern Time, first fight on Fox Sports 1. But there's a pre-fight show at 4 o'clock p.m. Eastern Time. So the action kicks off early. And then at 10 p.m. when it's all over, it's a new episode of The Ultimate Fighter. Here are Mama Noza's picks. You ready for it? What's her record, New York, Rick? Of course, you don't know. You're going to make it up. But 25 you,
2: and 12, as I've been saying it, over and over.
1: I, I honestly don't think she has double-digit losses. I really don't.
2: Well, I, that's very cute. Uh, I'm, I'm happy that you, you respect your mother greatly. That's, Can that's
1: we, uh, we just address something right off the bat here? Sure. What the hell are you wearing? What, what is this shirt what you that mean? you're wearing? My shirt? What, what is this? Let's get, let's get the full shirt. Let's get the full body. Can we get the full body shot? Because it's
2: particularly short. Yeah, it's a little short. <laughs> um, I, I don't know if there's anywhere I could stand that it would get the whole... We'll whole just up. move back a little bit. All right, let's move back. While, uh, uh, Will's going to Will's gonna take it off. He's going to take off your shirt? No. Uh, no, he's going to take you wearing? off the, are you the wearing?
1: A, what's going on? I, I, I want people to know what's going on over there. What do you mean? What are you wearing? What's wrong with my shirt? Well, are you not going to mention it? What does it say?
2: It says, presented by... Or yeah. protected by... <laughs> titan post-battle
1: products are you okay so let me get this straight are you wearing you know because sp- because this is like the ufc here this is the ufc of mma podcast there's a tax
2: are you wearing sponsors what's going on am i wearing sponsors i don't know about sponsors well what's um, happening
1: over there you're we- are, do you usually wear uh, shirts with uh, soap
2: logos on them well I, w- I wear shirts that people give me all the time
1: someone gave you a soap shirt
2: yeah titan post-battle products
1: Okay, now let's let's be honest. Okay, we, we we have to come we have to come clean about something, right? Sure. We always mention we always mention oh you know New York Ricks at uh, Glories at this and that. Of course, people have to know that you have a day job. You know, you, this show is only on once a week. Sure. They they would probably guess that you don't really do much else, but in fact, you do have a day job. What is your day job? I do uh, public relations. You work in public relations. I and do. And how did that actually all come about? Well, it's a great story. I had... Uh, we've, never, we've never shared it with the people.
2: Yeah, you're right. We've shared our story, but not uh, my other job. So I, uh, my, my employer came in for, uh, for a test show here at the MMA Hour.
1: A friend of mine.
2: A very good friend of Ariel's named John. Shout out to John Beer. Um, and uh, I met him. He liked me. I mean, he had no choice but to. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he he asked me to to come intern for him. So I did that for a while, and now I work there.
1: So once you know, well, you know this whole show we know about. But in a way, I helped you out there as well. You did, so, can't deny that. So now you work in public relations, and one of your clients is Glory. Sure. And that maybe kind of bridged the gap to have them on board here, which we're very excited about. And uh, we love the fact that it's a combat sports company and not, you know, Depends or something like that. <laughs> uh, but so you you went to the event a couple of weeks ago. Um, You're going to Hoffman Estates, right?
2: Chicago. Yeah. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be amazing. I'm, I'm very excited if, about if, that one. Now
1: I feel better about it because I feel like the cards are out on the table. Because for a while, I was like, well, should we say, should we pretend like you have two different lives? But no, we shouldn't, right?
2: Well, what's the point? I, I've never tried to hide anything. It's just never brought up.
1: So the company that you work for, Jack Taylor PR. Yep. Their client is Glory. Correct. Now, the T-shirt that you're wearing... Correct. ...is whose client? Our client. Oh, so now it's all... So let me get this right. Let me get this right. And my friends. And your friends. I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel that both you and maybe your employer, who's my friend, thought that maybe you can pull a fast one on me and throw in a sponsor free of charge and just put them on the show.
2: Sponsor? I
1: don't know. Uh, it's a plus. I mean, this is this is this is major real estate right here. You don't see any other it, soaps being yeah, talked right. about this on this show. This is major real estate right here. Yeah, you don't see other uh, soaps being talked about on this show.
2: It's because it's, it's the best one.
1: Did you guys think you could pull a fast one on me?
2: What is the fast one that's being pulled? Explain it.
1: You think you could put out a bottle? Where's the bottle? What bottle? You brought a bottle. Don't pretend like you didn't bring one. There's no bottle here. <laughs> you have a shirt that i know I i'm mean, not allowed to wear a shirt it's a little short
2: it is it is short i'll say that
1: the other shirt that i saw you in was very nice
2: uh roots of fight yeah shout out
1: yeah shout out <laughs> so you guys thought you could pull a fast one there's nothing wrong with it's it a fast one there's nothing wrong with it but let's put the cards out on the table i fa- hey by the way we won't even bring up the whole training thing i'm going to train with the gracie brothers i don't know what you're doing are you
2: yeah, why not? Uh, bring me along. We'll see.
1: No, I've already, I've already opened enough doors for you. <laughs> you, you have, you have. Touché. You wouldn't even let me corner. You wouldn't let me hold your, your shoes when you weigh in. You said you had to think about it. Um, you know, you have Hensel Gracie coming in there. You have Natal, main eventer. We haven't even talked about this main eventer of a UFC event coming up next month. Tweeting at you, saying that he wants to train you. That he's, he's opening his arms. And, and what are you doing? You're, you're dilly dallying with shirts
2: tell you that what where is this conversation going <laughs>
1: <laughs> sean sheehan saying on twitter that we're breaking down the fourth wall that's exactly what we're doing shattering we're shattering i just i just want to know if you know there are other interests you know you work there four days a week you work here one day a week yep are the worlds colliding right now that's what i'm worried about i
2: mean the worlds have always kind of been uh, intertwined in certain ways for sure. example I, I you know one of our clients is glory so sure um that's that's just part of my job.
1: Hmm. All right, I'm going to keep my eye on you with these uh, <laughs> these plugs and these sponsor t-shirts. So, just, so you're going to seen...
2: you're going to approve my wardrobe from now on.
1: I might have to. I mean, I know you you've tried to slide some here and there, but you know, with all due respect, I haven't seen you wear you know soap t-shirts in the past. You know, when it's a roots of fight shirt, Nomas things like that. We like that kind of thing.
2: Shirt's sure, a shirt, bro. Yeah.
1: And by the way, if you're going to hook them up, I mean, at least have the camera and not cut off the logo.
2: It's a uh limitations of this operation back here right
1: so what's the point just to prove that you were wearing it because you maybe sold them a bill of goods you got nothing (laughs) (sighs) are you done are are you tapping up am
2: i done are you done
1: oh Oh. wow things got a little testy okay so let's talk about our picks how about that should we move along sure you know, you mentioned, uh, I wonder, as soon you're going to be like those fighters with the, uh, the casino logo all over your face. Remember back in the day, goldenpalace.com? On and the all back.
2: That, on the back, on the head, all that stuff. Anyway. Um, well, when, when I uh, get in the cage eventually, yes, I would hope that I have quite a few people on, uh, all over.
1: Yes, I can't wait for that day. Uh, I, I'm sure it's going to happen very soon.
2: You have little faith.
1: So here we go. We've got uh, my mom's picks. Where'd they go? I lost them. Oh, here they are. All right. Here we go. Uh, Damian Maya. Let's work from the bottom up. It's more fun that way. I like that. Uh, T.J. Dillashaw versus Sun Sandal. Okay. How about this? I want you to predict who she picked. She took Dillashaw. It's interesting. She originally took a Sandal, but then she at the end of the of the day she chose Dillashaw. You were right.
2: Um, I like that pick as well. You do. I that, well, I mean, it, if if you're gonna bet against. Somebody, It's not going to be somebody from uh, Alpha Male right now. They're just on a roll. Um, Dillashaw is, is an up-and-comer. I think that he can make some noise in the division. Um, although Asuncao has looked good lately, um, I like Dillashaw here. In terms of betting, minus 240 for Dillashaw, Asuncao plus 200. There might even be some value on a Asuncao here. Um, but it's probably a no play for me. No um, play? Yeah. Well, what's the line? Minus 240 for Dillashaw, plus 200 for Asuncao.
1: Wow, Dillashaw is uh, the favorite. Decent How about favorite,
2: that? yeah. Wait, but, you thought a Assunstall would be the favorite?
1: No, but I didn't think he'd be that big of a favorite.
2: Oh, uh, the styles. I mean, Dil- you know, Dillashaw's a really good wrestler. Yeah. And he's got heavy hands when, you know, when he can't bring it to the ground. Um, I, I, I like the pick, but I'm I'm not sure betting-wise I'd go anywhere near it.
1: From a contender standpoint, this might be the most important fight on the card. Sure. If Dominic Cruz isn't ready to fight... I could see the winner of this fight fighting Brown next. Wow. Um, All right. Husimar Paul Harris, who's making his 170-pound debut, and actually our boy uh, Guilherme Cruz took a picture of him. He wrote an article about him uh, for MMAfighting.com. He took a picture, and you could tell. I mean, this is a little ways away, but you could tell that he looks thinner than he did as a middleweight. Anyway, he's making his uh, his, uh, welterweight debut against Mike Pierce, who has been very vocal going into this fight. Taking a page out of the Chael Sonnen book, who he knows, of course, out of the uh, the northwest of the United States, uh, saying that he thinks that uh, Paul Harris is a cheater and all this other talk. So, what do you think, Paul Harris? Mike Pierce? Who did my mom pick?
2: Hmm, I think she went with Pierce.
1: She did. She went with Mike Pierce.
2: Um, he's a favorite, minus two ninety. Paul Harris is the underdog, plus two forty five. Wow. Um, that one also somewhat surprising. You would think it might be a little closer, but I think that Paul Harris has shown in these last couple of fights that he just can't um, go out and dominate the same way he was early in his career. He yeah. can't just you know grab guys, bring them to the ground, and submit them in the first round. Um, and especially a guy as tough as Mike Pierce, I think that would be a, 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 a tall order for, for him to just completely dominate Mike Pierce like that. I'm not sure he should be a minus 290 favorite, but I definitely like Pierce in this fight a lot more than I would say I like Dillashaw over Assuncao. I, I like Pierce uh, a significant amount. I think he may even be able to finish Paul Harris if, you know, uh, there's some kind of situation where Paul Harris tries the takedown, misses the attempt, and, and Pierce might be able to finish from that point from a scramble.
1: I, I like this fight a lot. I like it because Pierce is getting a shot on the main card. Paul Harris' is 170 debut. Pierce a wrestler, so what is Paul Harris going to do? I think this is a great fight.
2: I like this fight as well. Um, if Paul Harris, I mean, I, I've, we've had a few Paul Harris, uh, <clears throat> a few of Paul Harris's fights um, that we've broken down, and every time I say the same thing, which is if he can, you know, keep his head on straight and, and do what he does, execute what he has in his toolbox, um, he's a, he's he's tough and and he can take anybody out. But it's just you can't count on that. So Pierce, Pierce is a savvy vet, uh, looking really good on his win streak right now. So Pierce is the pick for me and your mother.
1: I got to say, uh, as far as like a Wednesday card in Brazil on Fox Sports 1, not saying this, you know, we, we, I think we keep it real. Uh, this this is a very interesting one. I like this main card a lot. There, 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 there are no kind of unknown Brazilian fighters. All guys that we know about. Excuse me. Um, Maldonado, Fabio Maldonado versus Joey Beltran next. Beltran coming off that suspension. Last saw him in December. Maldonado, we know him as the... Uh, Brazilian punching bag. I mean, he takes a lot of shots and keeps on taking What do you think? Who do I think who she did my mom took
2: pick? Maldonado. Correct. Um how about that? He is a slight favorite at minus 150. Beltran is plus 130. Uh, I see some value on Beltran here. Um, just because Maldonado is is going to get into a firefight with him. Uh, and Beltran well both of these guys can take a lot of punishment but i think that beltran's a little more um, hungry for, for a win in the sense that he might use his wrestling he might try and impose his will other than just getting into a slugfest which he's kind of been known for in the past i think he wants to stick around um, so i think he's going to he's going to try and change it up a little bit and i think he might be effective so I, I would say that beltran is a pretty decent underdog in this one
1: our friend at fight metric although this is this is more the our, our one guy Saying book it, Maldonado versus Beltran will be the fight of the night. Both have high volume striking, ridiculous chins. I think it's going to be a fun fight. That is going to be like rock 'em sock 'em, in my opinion. I, th-
2: I think that that's what you expect, but I think uh, Beltran's going to flip the script. Really? That's what I really feel. Um, you, everybody. There's been fights like this in the past. Uh, it's, an example is escaping me right now, where it's like, oh, this is due to be fireworks, and then yeah. one of the guys just comes in and puts in a workman performance. Uh, a little bit of grappling, not too much, you know, just trading bombs and, and completely um, shuts down that talk of, yeah, of there, fireworks. Yeah, this happens
1: all the time. Uh, Matt Brown fought John Howard. They were saying, oh, we're going to meet in the middle of the octagon. Uh, the didn't right. happen. Anthony Johnson, Dan Hardy. Oh, yeah. you know. oh,
2: oh, yeah, that one.
1: So it um, happens all the time. But I, I don't know. I feel like these guys are a little different. I, 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 I don't know. I, I think here's the thing. Beltran knows that, you know, thin ice – Came back to the UFC, dropping down to the light heavyweight. Had a nice win in December, but got popped. Needs to get back in the good graces of the fans. UFC, I think he's going to come out swinging.
2: I, I wouldn't be surprised. I, w- I wouldn't say I'd be surprised, but I don't think that that's the way it's going to go. That's just my opinion. Um, so All right, let's, uh, let's, uh, uh,
1: let's move along. Uh, this is a very interesting one. Matt Hamill returning. And if you oh, missed yeah. UFC tonight last uh, week... I reported that Duff Holmes, if you know Matt Hamill, you've seen Duff Holmes. In his corner, his trainer for seven and a half years, essentially his, his first and only MMA trainer after The Ultimate Fighter, Matt Hamill, uh, went off and trained with Tito Ortiz for a couple fights, but then came back to Utica, uh, New York, and trained with Duff Holmes. Duff Holmes even worked as his translator, not his translator, as his interpreter, I should say. it. Um, it he learned how to speak sign language uh, or, or communicate via sign language. Uh, so that he could help Matt with his interviews, but also um, in the corner talk to him. And, uh, you know, that, that, you know, when Matt fights, he can't really say anything to him. Of course, Matt, if you don't know, first and only deaf fighter in UFC history, can't yell anything out. But when they, you know, got to the corner, he was able to communicate with them, did all that for Matt. So they were very close. But uh, after his, his last one, Matt's last one over Roger Hillette at UFC 152, Duff said he didn't want him to fight anymore accomplished enough, came out of retirement, thought that he should just sail off into the sunset and and do his thing. Matt disagreed, moved to Tampa, and uh, now they're no longer working with each other. In fact, I want to mention, because I didn't mention it on the uh, show, um, actually the guys who are training him now over at uh, No Excuses Fitness and Sports Management, they actually contacted me to uh, you know, to kind of clear the air and tell me who he's training with now. So it's Master Murdad, uh, Bruno Tostas, and Robson Maurer. Th- that's his team now over in Tampa, so I want to give them uh, credit. And he told me that the main reason why he's coming back and he's still doing this thing is because he made a promise to his grandfather that he will leave no goal unfinished. And, and the goal that he promised his grandfather was that he'd be a UFC champion. He still believes that he could be a UFC champion. So here's Matt Hamill, a little over a year After his uh, win over Raja Haled, we came out of retirement after his loss to Gustafson at UFC 133, fighting Thiago Silva, who had a big win over Feijão in June in Brazil. Who do you think my mom picked?
2: Hamel. Wrong. Okay, so she went with Silva. Silva's a big favorite. He's minus 360. Hamel is plus 300. Wow. Um, I think that line's a little off um, just because... um, you don't really know what to expect with Hamill, which which would obviously lower his line, which which makes sense in this scenario. But I don't think Tiago Silva's uh, worthy of, of minus three sixty, um, because Hamill has the ability, in my opinion, to to probably wear uh, Silva down, assuming that he comes in as the same Matt Hamill we'd seen before. Um, even the one t- toward the tail end of his of his uh, career up until this point, I think is is decent enough to to drag Silva to the ground, um, but. Due to that long layoff and um, Silva seeming slightly revitalized in his last win, I, I would stay away from this. Uh, but I would, I'd say it's a coin flip. I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, be so sold on Silva right now. Such would,
1: such a big line. I would take a flyer on Hamill. Yeah,
2: it, it, betting wise, it would probably be worth it to, to take something out on Hamill. Um, but that long layoff is is obviously a yeah. big deterrent.
1: New team as well. Yeah. Um, so so
2: far so far uh, she's chalk. Alchok? Yep. I know who you're picking in the next fight. You know who I'm picking? Yeah. You're probably right. Dungan Kim, you love Dungan Kim. I love Stungan. Uh, but the last time I picked against Eric Silva, it was a bad night for me. Um, what was that? That was Jason oh, High. Oh, yes,
1: of course.
2: <laughs> of course. I picked Jason High How against forget. Eric Silva. Now, uh, Kim has the tools to, to execute exactly what I thought um, Jason High could try to execute, um, which is a, a grinding performance... A la John Fitch against Eric Silva, um, but but uh, Stun Gun has has an ability to just stick to guys. You can't get him off your back if he gets it. You can't you can't escape him once he's on top of you. Um, whereas whereas uh, Fitch has a tendency to kind of get a little loose and and guys can reverse positions. Um, I don't see that being a problem for Stun Gun, and I think that he's going to control this fight. And he's actually the underdog at plus two twenty with Silva being the favorite at minus 260.
1: Hmm. Who do you think my mom picked?
2: I think she picked Silva. Correct. Um, which but is, she went back and
1: forth on that one. And, I, you know, I think it's, that's a very tough a one tough to pick. It's a tough fight. Very and, tough. And
2: with those odds, I think you have to play stun gun there. Um, he should. I don't think he should... In my opinion, I don't think he should be a 2-1 to, to dog. Um, although Eric Silva has obviously shown that he's a very talented fighter. I think that... Um, A game plan like Fitch's can be replicated by a guy like Stungun, who I think is even better um, in terms of of controlling. Although Fitch has become known for that, I think that um, Stungun's a little more athletic and and is able to to execute a similar game plan. And on his feet, he's no slouch either. Uh, I think his striking is a little better than Fitch's, and I keep comparing that fight just because I I see that as a a possible uh, path to victory against Silva because you don't want to stand with Silva.
1: Speaking of Fitch, uh, Damian Maya has become somewhat of a forgotten man at 170. Last time we saw him was at UFC 156 against Fitch in Las Vegas. That was in February. It was an amazing fight. Dana White said he outfitched Fitch. And, of course, since then, Fitch no longer in the UFC. He's fought. Maya hasn't fought. He was supposed to fight in the summertime, but uh, his opponent, Josh Koscheck, had to pull out. That was at UFC 163, so they saved him. And uh, they're having a main event this show against Jake Shields. Obviously both very well known for their jujitsu.
2: Who do you think she picked? I think she picked Maya. Who's the favorite? Maya. She picked Maya. Maya, so that's a chalk. Uh, I like how you say that kind
1: of passive-aggressively. What are you you trying to say? Come out and say it. What are you trying to say? She picks only favorites? That's a fact. What are you trying to say? Favorites?
2: Yeah, she picked the favorites. All right. Um, You You
1: say it with a tone, though. A certain tone.
2: It's not going to work, Ariel.
1: Um, I have. I, I, I figured it out, by the way. I don't know if I should say it now, but I figured out how this whole thing is. Well, let gonna... me know when you figure it out. No, no, I, I have figured it out. Okay. It's going to be great.
2: Um, so, Damian Maya is the favorite at minus 275. Shields is at plus 235. I really like Maya in this matchup. I don't think that there's anything that Jake does that Maya doesn't do better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, a, it's really as simple as that. Uh, yeah. Maya is, although neither is going to light the world on fire with, uh, with their striking. Maya is a better striker, um, and Maya is a better grappler overall. Uh, his takedowns are, you know, not um, textbook, but neither are Shields. Shields likes to just drag guys to the ground, um, and he's been very effective at it. But I don't see anywhere um, that he has an advantage over over Maya. So I'm big on Maya here. Big on Maya in general.
1: I'm big on Maya. I'd, I'd like to see if he wins this fight in impressive fashion. I want to see him get one more fight and then fight for the title who knows it, it always happens this way in our sport he wins this fight and everyone will be all excited about him and uh they'll be talking about him fighting for the belt next because there isn't a clear-cut guy at 170 unless i'm forgetting someone well, rory well yeah but you know i feel like they're kind of in the same position right now you know like a win over what's more impressive a win over shields at 170 or a win over lawler at 170 i know lawler is you know hot right now but Given their resumes. Touché. remember Remember who beat Robbie Lawler way back when? Jake Shields. In a matter of seconds. So, you know, Maya's undefeated at 170. I think he'd be a good fight for GSP. Let's see what happens. Or R- Rory, if they win, Rory versus Maya, that would make a lot that's of a, sense as well. Yeah, that's a great fight. That, that was the fight I think a lot of people were thinking about <coughs> after his win over fish. So we'll see. It goes down this Wednesday in Brazil. Maya versus Shields, like I said, 4 o'clock. Uh, Pre fight show 5 o'clock. Prelims main card 7 o'clock. Tough 10 o'clock. By the way, how, how are you liking the ultimate fighter? I'm loving it. I'm so I'm We still actually into have it. a question. Oh, we do. Uh, okay, about let's that. Get so into save it. it All so, right, let's go so to, the to the questions. We'll go to the website first and then the Twitter yeah. and then we'll give away these cards and uh, go to
2: sleep. Oh, let me talk about the cards actually before oh, yes. we, we do that.
1: Is there a tornado outside? I heard there's going to be a
2: tornado today. What? That's what I heard. <laughs> I hope not. Will, right. can you get Anyone on that? Get a, where, where's I that think camp? He says, I think we're good. Yeah, we used to have that outdoor yeah, camera. Yeah. That was in the old studio, though. Remember that? That was great. Yeah, well, we don't have those kind of uh, windows out to the street okay. like last time. Um, so up for grabs today. We's, we've been doing these the last few weeks. 2013 UFC Finest um, from Tops, our friends at Tops. Thank you very much for sending these. Each box contains one autograph card, one jumbo relic card, and four jumbo... Oh, I'm sorry. One autograph jumbo relic card. I always mess that up. And then four jumbo relic cards. Um, so there's quite a bit of uh, memorabilia in there there's there's mouthpieces pieces of the map pieces of the fighter's gear um, all kinds of things that you would you would want to collect um, fight worn stuff or fight used stuff so for more information on that or you know any of tops cards you can uh, visit them on Facebook at facebook.com slash tops or follow them on Twitter at tops cards
1: by the way a lot of you are telling me that uh, the Munoz Machita fight is on FS1. It is not. It's on FS2. Dana White misspoke when he said that. So it's Fox Sports 2, not Fox Sports 1. Main card.
2: Here we go. All right, let's do it. First uh, question from the website. Where do you see Maya and Shields win or lose? Oh. If Jake wins, it would have to be impressive to talk about him as a contender again. But, if Maya, but Maya has looked great at 170. If he win, I would like to see him fight Condit Brown winner. Thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, like I said, if if Maya wins and...
2: I feel like this... Oh, there it goes.
1: My mic fell down. Look at that. How about that? Um, We're sending in the okay. reinforcements. If... I felt like that was happening. It, it was about to happen. If Maya wins, I want to see him fight the winner of Roy versus Robbie. I think that would make a lot of sense. Um, if Jake wins... Jake's in this weird spot because he keeps going up and down... You know, 185, 170 plus. His last fight wasn't the most exciting fight. Thanks, Will. Um, his last fight wasn't the most exciting fight, so I don't think a lot of people were, were, you know, clamoring to see him fight again. But a win over Maya would be huge, especially if he does it in impressive fashion. So, for Shields, there are options out there. Um... I'm wondering who would make... I mean, Evie. And thank you very much, Will, again. Um, I'm wondering, you know, I guess if he wins too, then the winner of Robbie versus Rory. I I don't know if... You know, the UFC likes to pretend or... Not pretend, but they like to kind of build rematches, even if they didn't happen. If they didn't happen in the UFC, they like to say that, you know, this is kind of the first one. Like, Ronda versus Misha 2 is really Ronda 1. Ronda versus Misha 1. So they'll do the Robbie fight again if they have to. So I kind of view it... Really, as a, a, a mini tournament. Now, there's Matt Brown in all of this, uh, who's fighting Carlos Condit. That's the, the X factor, and I think he can, you know, if he wins, obviously he can uh, be interjected in all of this. So th- th- those those three fights, I think
2: the winners, in some way, will fight each other, and the losers as well. Our next question question for Ariel and Rick: Do you see Sergio Pettis achieving championship? Subs- <clears throat> excuse me, championship success like his mm. brother? Will the UFC push him quickly or ease him in? In your opinion, I don't think they're going
1: to push him quickly. I mean, they
2: they gave Von
1: Lee first, so that tells me that they're pushing him rather slowly. But remember, in those lighter weight classes, there's a quicker path to the title than you know the heavier ones. Um, I'm I'm surprised it's it's going to be at 135. I thought you know he was going to be at 125, but I guess as he grows, he's getting bigger. Um, there's going to be, you know, a lot of buzz and a lot of attention on him, especially if he wins, people are going to want to push him, but I could see, you know, if he has three or four impressive fights, I could see him being in that title picture. 135 needs some new blood and he's certainly new blood. He's very exciting. And he has that famous last name, but so far Lee tells
2: me they're pushing him slowly. Our next question, if Dillashaw wins his next fight, where do you put him in the division, and who will be a good matchup for him? Brad Pickett, to me, seems like a great challenge for him.
1: Well, like I said, if if Dominic Cruz is not ready, I'd like to see Dillashaw fight Barrow for the belt. And no interim belt, I mean, at that point, you have to do it. And you know what, I'm really happy that Dillashaw is getting to fight on the main card, because it feels like he's kind of been the forgotten guy at Team Alpha Male. I mean, he's doing so well, and it seemed like he really had to pay his dues coming off that loss on the Ultimate Fighter finale. So that, to me, would make all the sense in the world, and I'm happy he's getting the attention. I think he's looked fantastic as of late, and I think that's going to be a really great fight. If Dominic Cruz isn't ready, then that's a bigger question. I mean, Brad Pickett's coming off a loss, so I don't really think that's correct, right? Brad Pickett is coming off a loss. Let me just triple check that he wasn't just wasn't it
2: Wineland his last fight or am I wrong?
1: No Brad Pickett fought he fought in uh he fought in Boston. And he fought who did he fight? Come on. I usually know this stuff. Oh yeah Michael McDonald. Oh yeah. Uh so he fought in Boston coming off a loss. So I don't know if they matched match them up. Um the the timing may work where if McDonald beats Faber Then maybe they do McDonald, Dillashaw. I don't think Dillashaw is going to fight Faber. There's also Eddie Weinland who's coming off a title fight. So it's viewed a little differently. But, you know, I think Dominic Cruz is the big X factor that you have to wait and see for.
2: Our next question. Tough 18, winner and runner-up. One year, uh, plus or minus one year before they end up getting pink-slipped. Well,
1: I think the women is a different question than the men um you know thus far i don't think that you know i don't think this is like tough 16 i don't think tough 16 was a good year from a coach's standpoint from a fighter standpoint i mean look who's still left in the ufc there's only one fighter left right well there's colton smith actually i think there's a couple of fighters i think is neil Magny still in the ufc you get the point
2: but the fact that you don't know this kind of says it all
1: (laughs) uh he's coming off a loss to Sergio more anyway uh point being i feel like he's gonna fall again um the women i think all the women are gonna get a shot in the ufc i think all the women are gonna get a shot in the ufc that's my guess there's only eight of them and i think they're very popular and they've all had great fights and they need women in the ufc the men, it's the bantamweight division, so it's a little different. And honestly, why such a negative question, Wise Toad? Why not a more positive spin? Will any of them fight for the title? Women could be, maybe. And that would make it interesting because they were coached by Misha and Rhonda. Um, But I could see... I'm going to guess all eight women get into the UFC, win or lose, unless there's a really bad loss um, in the finale. They'll all fight on the finale. And I'll say three or four men get into the UFC. At that point, then it's, you know, it's a lot of ifs.
2: I think uh, to answer the question more directly about one year or, or an extended length of time, I think that um, for the females it's going to be a lot less uh, difficult sure. because just like in the initial seasons of, of, of tough for the men, um, these fighters were, were probably good enough to be in the UFC or, you know, right on the yep. cusp. Yep. Uh, and now they're getting their shot, uh, even though they had to go through tough. Like, the guys from tough One, Yep. And, and it progressively got... That's what I
1: love about it so much. Less and less so great.
2: Um, uh, staying power. Um, so, for the women, I think that the the chances are very high that, that a few of them stay around for, for quite some time. Now the men, less so. Um... But I mean, you can't you can't predict something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's so we many hy-
1: hypotheticals it. involved. But even look at the report from uh, Dave Meltzer last week on the site. The the shows that feature a women's fight are doing better than the men's fight. The women are just a breath of fresh air. Just the way they conduct themselves, the the, the kind of you know the, the the different personalities that they bring to the table. They're just so interesting, and it's just so different, and it's 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 exciting to watch. It's interesting to watch. So. Uh, I don't think the men necessarily haven't held their own. You know, I kind of know everyone now. You know, I'm I'm making it a point to sit there and watch. Before, I would let them all kind of pile up on DVR and then just watch a few here and there. And this year, I'm interested in it for whatever reason.
2: Our next question. This is a lengthy one. Yeah. Why wouldn't the UFC hire Jim Ross? As a fan of professional wrestling, he assigned some of the biggest names in the sports entertainment industry, not based on looks, but also based on personality and charisma. He uses Brock Lesnar as an example. The UFC is great with keeping stars, but it seems that it's hard making them with how fighters have felt, with how fighters have that I'll fight whoever the UFC wants me to mentality. Do you think JR could repackage some of the... Some people and really get the memo across that it's important to market yourself and upcoming fights. Some of the biggest names today are the ones that are primarily outspoken: Sonnen, Jones, Connor, Ronda, the Diaz brothers, etc. I agree with everything
1: that you've just said, but you know Dana White says all the time, "We're not in the talking business." And he, you know, I, I, and I believe him when he says this. He really believes that at the end of the day, people are paying to watch fights. Now, deep down inside, of course, uh, he may not admit it, but. Yes, you know, people who sell fights it's no doubt that you have that it factor. Uh, he gets it, and he understands that people are more interested than other fighters, and other fighters like Yushin Okami are, you know, released from the UFC after some time. But I don't think they're going to hire someone to just package fighters and teach them how to cut promos. It has to be real. It has to be authentic. It has to be organic, whatever word you want to use. Uh, I think Jim Ross can help Recruit talent, sign talent. Um, he can help in talent relations. Um, he can help on the TV side of things. I mean, he is a broadcaster after all. That's his bread and butter. So he can help in a lot of areas. But again, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't hire him because he is so closely tied to WWE. They get a little nervous about that. They don't want to be pro wrestling. They they certainly have taken aspects of it. They've taken guys from pro wrestling like Brock Lesnar, but you know, they've never done it from a broadcasting standpoint. And I don't think he's replacing Mike Goldberg. I don't think he's replacing John Anik. So it's going to be tough. Maybe a studio show, something like that, that that could happen. But um, I don't think they're going to have someone in there coaching the fighters on what to say or trying to package them. Uh, they do that with PR and, 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 you know, getting them out there and putting out videos in and, and subtle ways. And they have the fighter summit, but I don't know if they'll hire a specific guy from pro wrestling of all places to do that. I just don't see it happening.
2: Our last question from the website. If Chael Sonnen wins against Rashad Evans, do you think he'll fight Vanderlei Silva? It seems the, like the next logical fight, but I think that is a step down in competition. What are your thoughts?
1: How about this? If he wins or loses against Rashad Evans, I think they will try to make that fight. That fight has become such a big deal, such a hot topic, a fight that so many people just want to see It's a grudge match um, Chael is not going to fight John Jones next. He's not going to fight for the middleweight belt next. Crazier things have happened, of course, but I just don't see it happening. He wants that fight. He keeps talking about that fight. He continues to be asked about that fight. I think the question is does Vanderlei want the fight? You know, it, it, this fight has been on the table for a long time. It's been on the table ever since Vanderlei. You know, fought Chris Lieben at UFC 132, and even before that, they've been going back and forth. So it's been on the table a long time. Does Vanderlei want the fight? Uh, Will he be healthy enough to take the fight? All those things. But even if he loses, you say that he's a step down. Well, then it's it's fine. And if he wins, I still think enough people are going to be into that fight that that fight can main event the show. I don't know if about pay-per-view, but it can main event any free show, obviously it could be a co-main event, a very strong co-main event for a pay-per-view as well.
2: So does that diminish the the fight that is upcoming a little bit? Uh, against Rashad Evans?
1: You, yeah. I don't think so because you
2: if see, win or lose, he's it's, going it's to... It's taking
1: away some of the attention from that fight. But to me, Rashad Evans versus Chael, I've come to terms with the fact that we're not going to see the Chael son who hates his opponent and all that stuff, so, which, which I enjoy. To me, this is just a very interesting fight. It's almost in a way, and I don't want to, you know use this word loosely but it's somewhat of a dream fight in the sense that you never really thought these guys were going to fight each other they have such you know similar styles but they've evolved to a degree um i just think it's a fun fight it's like two toys that you put in i wonder what would happen if rashad fought chael not much is at stake i mean for rashad he needs to move on and you know he didn't have a great exciting fight against dan henderson looking to get back in the mix Chael, you know you have to win fights you always want that w on your record but it's not like, oh, this guy's going to fight for the title next if he does this. It's just a fun fight. Two guys that have been around for a while who work together. I think that's the appeal. You want to know, you know, honestly, that's an impossible fight. That's a very hard fight to predict. Like, off the top of your head, are you 100% certain that you know who's going to win that fight?
2: Uh, I'm not 100% sure, certain. Um, but I have a strong lean toward Rashad Evans.
1: I think it's going to be fun.
2: Oh, I, I think it's great. I'm a big fan of Chael. Um, I think that he gets a bad rap. Um, Just losing to to Anderson Silva and and John Jones is, you know, understandable. Right. Downright reasonable. um, And and beating everybody else is impressive. Um, So I would never count Chael out of a fight, but I I think that Rashad um, right now would have the tools to beat him. Our next questions are from Twitter, eligible for the Tops cards. Our first question is from Jessica Jung. Was it promotional malpractice hmm. to give Glover the title shot over Alexander Gustafson?
1: First off, great use. Of the promotional malpractice shirt And if Luke doesn't come out with that t-shirt Then, as I mentioned to him on Twitter It would be promotional malpractice Not to come out with the promotional malpractice t-shirt Because it's a fascinating and an amazing line And it's, you know, it just gets people excited Anyway, I'm going to guess that Jessica Jung did not In fact, whoever Jessica Jung is I mean, did she really follow the Maybe Who knows? Maybe I might be insulting another one of our. Why
2: people. are you so skeptical just, of, of everybody? I
1: just, who's Come on, let's be honest. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, I think Alex was getting me all fired up for the rematch, saying little things. I mean, you know, obviously his English isn't perfect, but he's just saying little things that I think, for me, you know, I, I'm a sucker for all this stuff, but it was really getting me excited about him someday fighting for the belt again. But let that... And of course, anytime any promoter rolls the dice, it never works out, and something happens like, you know, Krokop getting his head kicked off. But roll the dice, let it simmer, let them fight around the same time, build it up. It was worth the risk, in my opinion. Especially having Alex fight in Sweden, which I doubt John would have agreed to. So you have Alex fight in Sweden next, really build that star, and then if he wins... Fights for the belt.
2: Our next question from Sean Ross Sapp: Could Gustafson split from Phil Davis's camp mean a possible rematch for the two? Now, he said, right, that it's not really the case, but
1: yeah, um, I mean, let's take him, you know, let's take his word for it. And and it sounds like he's going to spend a lot of time there, but they're friends. He doesn't want to fight
2: him, so that's that. Stop being such an instigator, Sean. Our next question: What are your thoughts on the Ultimate Fighter now that we are five episodes in? What's this picture
1: that he? Uh, it oh, it's just like, uh, Justin uh, Duke. Yeah. Oh, that, that, and, and that the fight is. Fight. Yeah, that fight is supposed to be incredible, bloody fight. Um, I'm looking forward to that fight very much. Um, I, I, I'm really enjoying it, and may, you know, maybe look. I'll be honest. Maybe deep down inside, it's on Fox Sports One. I work for Fox Sports One. Maybe deep down, I'm trying to um, uh, support it. But I'll be honest with you: if I wasn't watching it. If I wasn't into it, I wouldn't really be talking about it. I think you can tell that I'm genuinely interested in it. It feels like a fresh show. I think they picked you know, great characters. The coaches are fascinating. I think they're both doing a great job. I like the friction there. Regardless of who's coming off better or worse, it's interesting. It's compelling. I'm enjoying it greatly. I'll be covering the tough finale, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's, 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 it's been a great series so far. What did he say? What episode are we at? Five or something? I think he said five, yeah. Yeah, so usually by this point, I said five or six, let's see how I feel. By this point I'm kind of checking out and I'm looking forward to this fight and I think it's great having uh, you know, seventh to ten, you're going to have the live fights and then you get one more fight and it's a fight that they... This fight might be the most anticipated fight of all the fights happening on Wednesday.
2: Right? Hm. Is that crazy? I didn't even think of that. You're right. No, I don't know. Well... It's, it's, def- getting, it's it, definitely up there, yeah. People are interested in it, right? Um, yeah, I didn't even think of it that way. Our next question from Guillermo Del Smito. Oh, yeah. What's the latest news on Ben Askren? Yeah. Who would you see as a first UFC opponent, and where does he rank at welterweight? Is he in the top 10?
1: Well, Anthony Pettis said in Sacramento last week at the press conference, by the way, it was a very, it was a very entertaining press conference, and Nick Lentz, who isn't known as... The most entertaining interview came off very well and uh, had some good one liners about his fight against Chad Mendez. What's the news? There is no news. Uh, he hasn't signed with Bellator, hadn't signed with the UFC. Uh, Anthony Pettis said he was considering retirement, but then Askin went on Twitter. Whoops. Askin went on Twitter and said that uh, he is not going to retire and want to fight GSP. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even know if the UFC genuinely is interested in Ben Askren. Uh, I I think Bellator would want to keep him around. He's their champion. You know, it's tough. He keeps beating everyone up. But, you know, you have a guy who many people consider top 10. I mean, there's some value to that. You don't want to see your champion go away. Um, But right now, there is no news on him. He he hasn't signed with anyone. Um, Who would I want to see him fight in the UFC first? I don't, by the way, I don't have my top 10. I think part of your ranking has to do with the fact, has to do with who you have fought. And he just hasn't fought anyone close to the top 10 as of late. So it's hard to really predict where he'd be in there. So you have to give the nod to guys who are fighting top 10 guys. But, you know, anyone, anyone from Condit to Rory to Amaya, you know, he is so outspoken. He is so brash, so confident. Put him in there. Don't build him up. He thinks he could take down GSP. Well, I don't know about giving him GSP off the bat because you want to build him up. It would be promotional malpractice to just put him in the title fight right away. I don't think enough people know who he is. But you put him in a fight that is one, maybe two wins away, You know, setting him up for that title shot. That's what he, that's what he wants, and that's what I think the people who know him want at this point because he's been talking so much. And, you know, people think that I have my, you know, differences with Ben Askren. You know, I like that he talks so much. That's great. I love guys who are confident or, you know, talk smack, all that stuff. So I want to see him in there. I have no interest anymore in seeing him in Bellator just because it doesn't seem like there are any real challenges for him in Bellator. If there were, great. That's why I didn't, you know, that's why I wasn't, you know, all upset or anything. I wasn't pushing. I wanted to see the Michael Chandler-Eddie Alvarez rematch. I felt like that was a fight that needed to happen before Eddie moved on. That's a fight that will be talked about. It's great that we're going to get to see that on November 2nd. There's no one for Ben and Beltor, so that's why I think it'd be good for him to move on. Um, and I would put him against a top guy right away. But I don't think he's top 10 right now.
2: With Rodrigo Dam out of Ultimate Fight Night 29 due to kidney issues caused by his weight cut, Should the UFC monitor this process to avoid fatalities? Well,
1: you know, I I saw his manager, Alex Davis, telling MMA Junkie today that it wasn't due to the weight cut, but he might consider moving up. Um, Look, we've been talking about it, um, and I think we're going to be talking about it for a long time. Talked about it on on the beat, talked about it uh, with Mike Dolce. These are grown men. These are supposed professional athletes. The UFC can only monitor so much. They have Burt Watson there. From Monday of a fight week, if it's a Saturday fight, checking everyone's weight, making sure. I mean, that guy, that guy doesn't sit and even watch the fights. I mean, there's a main event going on. John Jones, Alexander Gustafson, he's doing all kinds of stuff. He's getting everyone ready. He's uh, he's just coordinating. And all week long, he's kind of the, you know, him and his team, unsung heroes of what goes on on fight week. And they're largely concerned with, you know, getting guys ready so that there are no mishaps on weigh-in day so there's only so much they can do I think it's up to the fighter to manage his weight properly get the right people around him not take fights on crazy short notice don't lie about your weight all that stuff there's only so much that the UFC or any promotion could do and that's why I think it's on the fighters for surrounding themselves you know with the right people as opposed to the UFC coming knocking at your door and saying hey how
2: much do you weigh it is alarming though also on the same topic yeah This person is using the proposed weigh-in rules, saying, "Should the UFC use these rules for weigh-ins to ensure a safe weight cut?" Well, again,
1: this was from uh, Inside MMA uh, about New Jersey saying that they, you know, they're going to check in with guys. Although I saw Nick Lembo, I think it was an article on MMAmania.com saying that this is not exactly true. Anyway, let's just take it for what it is. That it says here, if you're listening to the uh, the audio, that New Jersey's pr- proposing this uh, weigh-in rule, where 30 days before fight, um, you must be 30 pounds. Well, no, that's just that example. So you have to be within 10%. 10%. Okay, so, yeah, my bad. Uh, 10%. Uh, within five percent, uh, uh, seven days before the fight, and then uh, uh, a day before the fight, you have a, a pound allowance. So. I think this obviously is, yeah, sure, that would be great. And, you know, I I talked about uh, the day of the fight. Here's the thing. Your question is, should the UFC use these rules? The UFC can't use these rules because they have to go based on the state commission. So if they're in New Jersey, they would go by it. If they're in North Carolina, if they're in California, Nevada, it's all different. Now, if they're in uh, England, where they are the uh, regulatory body, then they could use it. But in the United States, North America, they have to go by the provincial or state commission. That's, that's you know, that, that's the rule. You know, that, that's what they go by now. So I like it. Um, it. It will, you know, cost money to monitor this. And, you know, I also want them to monitor drug testing and all that other stuff. So it sounds good, but uh, I would be surprised if all the commissions would um, use this. And remember, there are a lot of short notice fights. How does that come into play with all the injuries? It's very complex.
2: Our next question, what's next for Junior Dos Santos if he loses to Kane again? Can't see him getting another title shot for a while.
1: Yeah, I don't think he'd get a title shot after that. I mean, there's still some interesting fights out there for him. Um, You know, who knows what... Look, if Junior Dos Santos loses and Overeem wins, I would still love to see that fight. There's some bad blood between them. I, I think that's a fight that a lot of people would like to see. Um... I don't think people would want to see the the mirror rematch. But win or lose, I I still would want to see that fight next if he loses. You know, who knows what happens with Brown and Barnett. uh, That would be interesting. Bigfoot Silva out there. That would be interesting. So there there are some options. I don't think he's going to be short on options. But, yeah, I don't think he's going to get a a title shot. As long as Kane is champion, it would be tough to sell it. Unless it's an amazing fight and then they go the Marquez Pacquiao way and they fight 36 times. Could happen. But, I don't, you know, right now, I think the UFC is going to want to move on. It feels like Kane fights the same guys all the time.
2: Our next question, should the UFC renegotiate contracts with gatekeeper, quote-unquote, fighters, rather than cutting them after a loss? You know, it's a
1: it's an interesting idea, but the reason why they're cutting these guys isn't financial. It's because they need to clear up space. They're signing a lot of guys. They're going all over the world, signing local guys, doing the ultimate fighter. There are young guys coming up. They didn't cut Yushin Okami because they can't afford him. They cut him because they feel like part of the evolution of the company, you have to bring in new blood, new contenders, new prospects, and he's had his time. The UFC can afford every fighter on their roster. They're they're never going to lose a fighter because they can't afford them at this point. It's just part of sports. guys get cut. you're a Red Sox fan, obviously. Guys get cut who have been there a while and they have to go elsewhere it's it's uh It's not popular, but you know it's it happens. Jerry Jones does it all the time. Mark Cuban does it all the time. every owner does it and the u f c remember it feels like they are the sport, but they're just they're a company, and they have owners, and they have to do what's what's best for them and and right now, given how successful they are. These decisions aren't financial ones. It's it's all about just creating space. So I don't really think that renegotiation is
2: the answer. MMA UK asks, are you a fan of the one-night tournament format like the one Glory is putting on this Saturday? For mixed martial arts, I think a promotion
1: can create some space for themselves, some attention for, them sp- for themselves by doing this. I don't know if it's safe. I think that you're you're obviously, you know, playing with fire if a guy gets injured. But I've heard of some promotions thinking about it. Eh, look, end of the day, it's not safe. Um, One night four-man tournament, you can get lucky, and it will definitely get you some attention. I think the last time a company did it, where it got attention in mixed martial arts was Shine, who had a lightweight tournament a couple of years ago. Drew Fickett was in it, and some other notable names. I believe Dennis Bermudez was also in it. Um, so it will get you attention, but it's hard to to have you know your whole promotion based on that. You know, if Congo, if Chuck Congo and uh, Vinicius Caros fought later on that night, it wouldn't be too much of a problem. I would think, although Congo looked a little tired after his fight against uh, Godbeer on, on Friday. But it would get more attention than if it was just, oh, these guys are going to fight later on. So yeah, as a fan, as a guy sitting on my couch, yeah, it's awesome. It reminds me of the old UFCs. It's great. But if I were putting on a promotion, I don't know if I would do it. Maybe once or twice to get attention, but you can't keep doing it. Not Not safe, not healthy, and... Again, the winner might not be able to advance if it's an amazing fight. So it's kind of like you're not really rooting for an amazing fight because you want him to advance, but you should be rooting for it. Weird
2: thing. Our last question. This person enjoyed Chuck Mindenhall's look back at Elite XC five years ago and the talk of it on the MMA beat. What's your craziest MMA moment?
1: Well, first off, I completely agree. I love that piece. I've actually read it twice, and uh, he just did a great job painting that picture. And if you haven't read it, I, I highly suggest you go to com and read Mindanel's piece and all his great work that he's uh, put on the site. The site's really rolling right now and really happy to be a part of it. Craziest MMA moment. I mean, I was there, uh, as he mentioned in the piece, I, I broke the story. I'll never forget it. It was one of the crazier moments of my career, just being there that weekend um, and and finding out and just the the whole drama and how it unfolded, and then Petroselli winning, that was just, that was surreal. I, I hate to say that, but I mean, what beats that? With the Kimbo train, and I remember back then, I was working for Radio.com. I couldn't cover UFC events. So Elite XC, Force, Affliction, IFL, those were my big shows. I wasn't credentialed. I wasn't, I just... They didn't want to credential me. I wasn't uh, well-known enough. I wasn't working for a big enough website. So those were my big shows. And those were the ones I really looked forward to because I got to cover them. And I got to cover a few Kimbo fights. And it was just... The whole weekend was just surreal Um, because it was bizarre enough as it is that Kimbo was going to fight Ken Shamrock. And the weigh-ins, they got into a little bit of a melee. Remember the whole Gina Carano weigh-in thing where they made her strip down in front of everyone, which was bizarre. And... Then you find out that... I remember finding out that morning from some people who worked at EA Sports, and they're like, oh, did you hear Kimbo's out? Uh, Ken Shamrock's out. And I was what? Uh, no, you must be mistaken. And I just chalked it up to people who don't know anything about MMA, um, hearing some rumor, twisting it. Then I get to the arena, and uh, I find out from talking to some people. And I remember Elite XC had... The media setup—it was actually in back of some of the fans and fighters, but we were kind of just a line. I think it was just one or two rows um, at a UFC event. Now you may see see three or four, and so that was October of two thousand eight, and I started with MMA Rated in April of two thousand eight. So you know I was around for six months or so, and. I went back to my seat, and all the veterans were there. You know, big names were there. It was a big deal. Kimbo Slice. I went back to my seat, and I just wrote this this little story. Uh, Kimbo Slice, Ken Shamrock, the fight is off. Ken cut himself, and this was before Twitter, so he couldn't really just like put, put something out there, tweet it, and the world would then you know jump all over it. So I sent out an email to all the different. Websites and said, breaking news, and I'm sitting next to them, and I remember looking around, and they're kind of like looking like, what? What's going on here? Is this true? And then, you know, the confirmation started to trickle in and whatnot, and it was it was surreal, and at that point right away, we didn't know if he would fight, and then we were hearing rumors about Frank Shamrock, and then Petruzzelli steps in, and then the fight actually happens, and he knocks him out in 14 seconds, and... It's just complete pandemonium. We're in Florida. Kimbo's in Florida. And then I remember post-fight was very much like Anderson and Weidman. It felt like Kimbo had the weight of the world lifted off his shoulders. Like he was almost happy he lost. The, the, no more pressure. He was so relieved, it felt like. It was, it was a very strange thing. And then talking to Petrozelli, had my infamous post-fight interview with Jared Shaw. I wish all those interviews were still around. They took down the damn MMA-rated YouTube page. What a bummer that is. Um, and Jared was kind of trying to put a, a smile, I should say, uh, a happy face, even though you could tell he was a little bit bummed out. That was surreal, and I can't really think of a crazier moment. I mean, Weidman beating Anderson was crazy, but nothing had that kind of wackiness. Uh, oh, you know what? I will say, okay. It's not even close. But I would just say UFC 112 in Abu Dhabi. Anderson going nuts. The post fight press conference. Me and uh, Kevin Ioli and I being the only North American journalist there, tweeting the blow by blow of the press conference because there was no press conference stream. Getting a crazy amount of new followers on Twitter when I had like 4,000 or so. Um, and doing a post-fight interview with Dana, who was gracious and kind enough to give me that interview when he was not in the mood. Um, that, getting over a million views in the span of like two days, that's a moment on there never forget as well. There are many, but those come to mind.
2: That was it for the Twitter questions today. All right. You want to cycle through them real quick? Sure. There's that one about the craziest MMA moment. There's this one about one-night tournaments. This one about gatekeepers, I'm renegotiating. Yeah. Junior Dos Santos, what's next if he loses? Weight cutting. Weight cutting. Ben Askren. Tough, what do you think of it still? Gustafson uh, Davis. And Gustafson. Hmm. Let's go with the
1: gatekeeper question.
2: Stephen McDonough.
1: And let's go with the. Two. Yeah, why okay. not? Okay. And let's go with the um, craziest moment. I like that one. That's right. a pretty
2: damn long answer. Congrats to them. They win the tops uh, 2013. Hopefully they'll actually get it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Uh,
1: UFC Finest from Tops. Thank you very much to them. 2013 trading cards, six autographs or relic cards in every master box. So there you have it. Thank you so much to everyone who sent in questions uh, using the Twitter hashtag, the MMA Hour. Thank you very much to uh, everyone who put questions up on the website. Appreciate it. And uh, also want to remind you that Wednesday there is UFC on Fox Sports One. Friday, there is Bellator 103. It's a pretty busy uh, weekend. There's Legacy on Friday as well. Holly Holm is fighting over there. Um, they they always put on some some nice cards. So there's Legacy. There's also uh, CFA this uh, this weekend, next weekend, one FC. So it's a it's a busy time. And don't don't get all depressed. I said it's the Sunday of the year. This just means that we're we're getting all. Revved and ready to go, as Dana White once said, for the end of the 2013 MMA calendar. Because it is going to be great, my friends. It is going to be great. Um, All right. I'm good. You can hit my music. And, of course, don't forget our good friends over at Glory who brought you this lovely MMA hour. They make their Spike TV debut on Saturday night at 9 p.m., in Hoffman, Estates, Illinois, the Sears Center Arena, Tyrone Spung against Nathan Corbett, a one-night. We talked about heavyweight tournaments. We got one on Saturday night. Not just heavyweight tournaments, but there is a heavyweight tournament on Saturday night. So it is a busy week coming up in the world of combat sports. And the MMA beat is back as well for another episode. And then next weekend, UFC 166, JDS Kane, number three. But uh, once again, thank you very much to Glory, for their support, we wish them the best of luck on Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Check it out live. Our good friend more Ronaldo will have the call. This man calls boxing, kickboxing, MMA, high level. Who does that? He's unbelievable. I want to thank Frank Mir for stopping by. Always appreciate talking to him. Good luck in his uh, now extended training camp against Alistair Overeem. Great having Alistair, uh, Alexander Gustafson Alistair Gustafsson. Great having Alexander Gustafsson on the show and uh, really looking forward to seeing who they match him up against next coming off the John Jones fight. Got me really excited for it. Really said some interesting things. Uh, Mike Ricci, good luck to him in his post-UFC career. We are holding you to that promise that you made us. Edson Barbosa, good luck in training for Danny Castillo. December 14th, UFC on Fox 9. Uh, Adi Attar, best of luck to him and the team. Jake Shields and all your clients. And Heron and Henner Gracie, great stuff out of them. Good luck as they corner against each other on October 26th. If you missed anything, sit your iTunes. We'll see you at same time, same place next week. Peace.